Hello and welcome to episode 475 of Film Bastards. My name is Fuck You. 477 (laughs) of Film Bastards. My name is Ian Loring, and as always, I'm joined by Matt Foster. Hello, everybody. And Evil Doll Correspondent. Noel Mella, hello. He's been upgraded. He's been rebooted after cameo appearances in our uh, Film Bastards on Tour shows. Noel is back for the first time in a fucking age. I'm back, man. They, they, I thought I was out, and then Mathrigan dragged me back in. Absolutely, that passive-aggressive little bitch that she is. Um, <laughs> So we are um, here to talk about the mighty Mafregan, uh, along with Avatar, the saviour of cinema. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll talk some uh, 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 trailers, I think. Uh, we'll, we'll talk some news. We'll talk some what we've been watching. Who knows what's going to happen? We may have Twitter questions. I fucked off my Twitter again, so I have no idea. Uh, Mark, did did we have Twitter questions? We do have, a, I think, at least one, maybe two. Good. Great. Super smashing. Great. Okay. So patreon.com forward slash film bastards for nothing this week. Um, We're uh, taking a couple of weeks off of the Patreon before we uh, smoke that dank, dank bong weed. Um, But we will be back with it soon. Um, I also recorded a shite or sound and then decided no. Oh, is that not going out then? No. Life's too short for bad movies. Hey, Bex. Hello. Hey. <laughs> I, I, I have an idea that I might do for the uh, shite or sound. An idea that I think I'm actually going to do, but I'm not going to call it shite or sound. I'm going I'm to do it slightly different. And it's not going to be all the fucking films. It's going to be like a, a selection of maybe five or six. You can't fucking cherry pick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the vegetable medley. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Um... Yes, so I'm not committing to that, and I'll explain why in what we watched. <laughs> well, um, I will. I will say I was when I was listening. It wasn't the last episode. I think it was the episode before, and you mentioned the the Bong Joon Ho marathon. And while you were talking about it, I was listening to it walking around Marple and just thinking to myself, if they don't call this hits from the bong, if they don't call this hits from the bong, <laughs> if they don't. And then you said it and I was like, oh, thank God they spotted that one. Brilliant. <laughs> well, funnily enough, in a section of the uh, the the, the uh, Patreon podcast that I think I deleted because I was talking about shite or sound uh, last week, I think we actually proposed a different title. However, I propose mark and becky that we call it hits from the bong oh yeah hits from the bong yeah I, I, i'm done with that yeah okay that's absolutely fine it, um no just for reference it was going to be called barking bastards never bite ah okay you did but, mention hits from the bong though didn't you or did i just sort of make that? no did no I just no, no that to I, the I, podcast while i was walking around no i was just like we're going to take a hit from the bong there we um, go but hits from the bong i to be honest i think it feels better it just can't be anything else really can it i mean it's you're going through his hits, it's it writes itself. <laughs> Smashing those hoes and hitting that bong in June. It's also just so inappropriate for Bong Joon Ho as well. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, 
so yeah we'll be back with that in a couple of weeks next week we're doing our year-end show so that's likely to go long and uh this week frankly Noel's on we're talking with Freegan we've got we've got plenty to be getting on with so fuck you right um so let's talk about some news um I don't think it's necessarily news but one thing that I I wanted to talk about is the uh weirdest oscar campaign of the year (laughs) yeah uh uh, so over the last week or so a variety of celebrities um including uh edward norton amy adams i think jennifer aniston and a bunch of others have been basically putting on their instagram or twitter almost the same wording each person talking about andrea riseborough's performance in a film called to leslie so Leslie is a film that premiered in Sundance last year, came out in October in the US and earned $60,000. Um, but now people seem to be trying to make her performance in it a thing. Yeah. Um, just further being just a bit weird, IndieWire came out with an article today um, basically saying uh, it's uh, all... Uh, this phenomena explained and i just want to read i'm just going to get get it up here now um i just want to read one of the last bits in it voting closes today so it's a little too little too late even if riseborough doesn't land the, the nomination at least she's in a better position to win the film indie spirit award in march more people know who she is which gets her that much closer to a nomination next time and if she does get nominated well, then maybe good things can happen in Hollywood. This article on IndieWire, I swear to God, is written by an AI, which <laughs> has been paid for. It feels like ChatGPT GPT has come in and has written this article about Andrea Riseborough. Um well, it's written by a guy called Ryan Latanzio, but I'm going to say that maybe it's Ryan Latanzio. <laughs> Fuck, yeah, absolutely. Look at this fucker. I mean, like that, It, frankly, his profile picture looks like it could have been AI generated. Um, yep. Uh, Ryan Latanzio, you are not real. Um, but yeah, this is this is just bizarre um and i mean the the list of people is so random as well gwyneth paltrow kate winslet amy adams kate blanchett courtney cox demi moore mia farrow joe mantagna mira sorvino <laughs> charlize ferron sarah paulson edward norton jennifer aniston and jane fonda um jane fonda uh, J- jane fonda Ed, kate winslet recently moderated a Q&A with riseborough and amy adams is doing one later today yeah what is go what is going on i mean if you look at the poster for two leslie on uh, on wikipedia it's a fucking banging poster <laughs> really it's a fucking the poster on yeah on on the for the film on, on wikipedia is it's a fucking nice poster I'm looking at it going, God, I hope I like that film. I want that poster. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, that is a nice poster. Oh, that is a nice poster. Fuck. <laughs> but it's like, it makes me not want to watch it. 
a bunch of fucking celebrity friends or people like you just have the same agent putting out a copy and pasted thing about how good Andrea Riseborough in this just makes it feel like, fuck me, is Andrea Riseborough that desperate for an Oscar? This is gross. Is, is it the, I don't think it's her, it, 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 it's the, the people you've just read out, are, are they the most recent guests on the Mark Maron podcast as well? Because, <laughs> because he's in the film. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> It just, it feels gross to me. It doesn't, it, it none of it feels organic. And I, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I'm i just like, I've got less interest in this film than I otherwise would have. If, the the, if, is, the, if they just spent money on marketing the fucking thing. Yeah, I don't know. I will actually watch it because I will watch anything with uh, Andrea Riseborough in it. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it it has felt a little bit weird that I literally barely heard of this movie until like four or five days ago. And then, yeah, I have been like, it, this is weird. <laughs> the amount I'm hearing about it now. As it, I had to check to see if it, like, if it was coming out like this week in the UK or something like that. And it, I was like, no, it's not. Hmm. It felt a little bit, it reminded me when you sent that over before, Ian, and I had a look at it. It reminded me of... Um, you know, when you see celebrity novels or celebrity kids books or celebrity biographies and stuff, and there's a poll quote from somebody on the front and you're like, you've not read that. You've yeah. not read that book. <laughs> it, re- it reminded me a bit of that. And I feel like that might have worked if there were more interesting actors mentioned in there. Like if they threw in something random like a, you know, Danny Trejo said it was like the best film he's seen all year or something like that, then maybe I'd be like, <laughs> oh, OK. But yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if, didn't if it didn't do much to liven it up really did it if, if it wasn't a collection of some of the most bland kind of oh yes you like it don't you Gwyneth Paltrow yeah, exactly and, I don't uh, want to go and see a film that Gwyneth Paltrow likes <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's that's it I, I, I imagine that Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> hasn't seen a film in 10 years <laughs> I mean Joe Mantegna was a bit of a weird one though I will say I mean, that sticks out like a sore thumb, right? <laughs> that's the that's the Danny that's the Danny Trejo, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's almost like somebody's gone. Have you seen two two Leslie? He's gone. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and then the walks up and he's gone. Who was that? No, Joe Mantegna is the only one who means it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's the one who's seen it. Gwyneth Paltrow is just fucking shilling a candle that's called to Leslie. Oh, man. Um, right. A bit of breaking news. Ooh. Anton Fuqua has set his new pro- next project after the Equalizer 3. Is it Equalizer 4? He's doing a Michael Jackson biopic. Oh, fucking hell. Is this going to be a biopic in the same way that I want to dance with somebody who was a biopic then? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, screenplay is by John Logan, who I think wrote Gladiator, I want to say. Yeah. Um, being produced by Graham King, who produced Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, and there it is. God. There it is. Yeah. 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 That's what we were waiting for, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, it is. It's right a little there. bit like the Bart Simpson meme, isn't it? Yeah. Wait for it. Wait for it. Fuck <laughs> it. Okay, so it's going to be a pile of dog shit then. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's being co-produced with the, uh, executors of the, uh, Jackson estate. Um, (laughs) and it looks like Robert Richardson is going to be shooting it, but those are the only details that we have so far. So it's going to be a complete 
pardon the pun, whitewash then. But, but, Robert, but, Richard's shooting it, so it's going to look really nice. I don't know who yeah. that is. <laughs> it's going to look beautiful. So that, good. if they've got any fucking sense whatsoever, like, just do it up to a certain point. And then mm. just stop. You mean don't sh- try and make a paedophile a sympathetic fucking yeah, character. Just after Off the Wall was released. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, straight yeah. up. Like, I don't think that. I don't think that they can possibly touch it. I, they just can't, unless they position it as accusations and how yeah, he dealt the, with the accusations. Yeah, they, they, they're going to so have difficult. to. Yeah, they're going to have to go up to literally something like the thriller video premiere or something like that yeah but yeah. If the, the thing is if they deal with the accusations and his reaction to it they're going to be trying to make him a sympathetic character yeah. they're not going to actually portray it as having happened so then it's it's there's just a rap all over again with it just being f- fucking false there's a big difference between skirting around drug abuse and possibly even you know violent behavior and stuff like that and mm. and what he was accused of that yeah. I don't think there's a way they can address that in any way. No. No. That it. fucking mad. But, I mean that to be honest, that'll be why the Jackson estate want to do it, so that they can tell a different story. Yeah. yeah. Did did we all see that JQG announced when the new Guy Ritchie film was coming out on his Twitter? <laughs> on his what? on his Instagram. No? Yes. When's that? Uh, it comes into theatres April 21st. Hang on, this what are we talking now? Are we talking Operation Fortune or the one that he's in? Uh, the Covenant, the one that he's in. Hang on, so Operation Fortune doesn't have a release date yet, was like ready at least a year ago, and yeah. the, the JKG one is going to come out probably before it. Yeah, it's coming out on... But apparently uh, Operation Fortune is now coming out in March, and this is coming out in April. <laughs> What, so we get two Guy Ritchie for? Wow. Ooh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jake Jordan's put out a, a, a picture on his Instagram saying, making movies is always a blessing, but it's rare when one really changes you, resets the course of things. A ridiculously talented, kind and hardworking group of people made this one, and I cannot wait to share it with you guys. Guy Ritchie's The Covenant is there as April 21st. Fuck yeah. Jake nice. Journal saying it changed him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. The Covenant movie has a Instagram page and it is literally, it is just the MGM logo and that's it. <laughs> right. Good. Yeah, there isn't uh, an image at all on the IMDb, so. Well, if it's coming out in April, if it's coming out in April, there better be a fucking trailer soon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Anthony, Anthony Starr's in that as well. Yeah. Wow. Is he the one who accused Kevin Spacey of having his way with him? Or no, 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 no. Like trying no, he's, his way he's with the him. guy who plays Homelander in The Boys. Oh, um, no. But it's def- it's impossible rap. to know what he does because... Anthony the- Rapp. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you go on the IMDb, not only is there no images, the half the characters don't have... Oh, well, most of the... A lot of the characters That's don't have names. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, We've got Sergeant John Kinley, which is Jake Gyllenhaal, Anthony Starr, no character, Emily Beecham, no character, Alexander Ludwig, no character, Bobby Schofield, no character, Darceline Ahmed. Then below <laughs> that, Jason Wong, no character. Then below that, we get Swen Temmel as team member Joe. Great. Fahim, <laughs> Fahim, 
Fahim Fazli as Afghan interpreter. Um, yeah. One, one of these guys <laughs> later on is called Javier Ramos. He's just called actor. <laughs> Uh, but do you know do you know why that happens on IMDb sometimes though? But like you just because get the movie isn't finished. No, because like that will be the actors or their agents literally updating I like it's saying to IMDb, I'm in this, this is who I'm billed as. <laughs> so it, it like literally that'll be those people going like I'm in this. Um and that you know they have to be like verified as like they are who they say they are, at least they're supposed to. And then that credit gets put on there. So you'll randomly see films that aren't going to come out for like a year, but some fucking jobber day player ah. has got them and their character name on yeah. IMDb. If I, if, if, if I was that, no matter how big a fucking star I was, I would have Mark Foster, character named John Matrix, for every fucking <laughs> film I was doing. So the guy that's just credited as playing actor, yeah. he's just got a real shit agent then. His sister's doing it, clearly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, uh, uh, you know, it's I am an actor, isn't he? Fuck off. <laughs> but it's like so much of that information is user generated because, I mean, it's like fucking um, Alexander Skarsgård, like famously his IMDB photo was chosen <laughs> by him. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys know what I'm referring to, but look yeah, it up. Yeah. Um, and it's fucking incredible. Um, and, and, and yeah, I don't know. That just makes me laugh. But that that's that's brilliant. The only information that we have on the new Guy Ritchie film is Jakey G saying this is when it's coming out, and just a bunch of random fuckers updating their own IMDb. Can you, can you imagine if Jake Lawrence put that out and like two hundred sixty thousand people have liked it, and, and everyone at the studio is going, wait, where is are we are we really releasing it in April? Does anyone else know this? Where's he got this from? <laughs> Team member, team member Joe, do you know about this? <laughs> yeah. Answer, do you know about this? <laughs> oh. oh, God, I just choked on my fucking beer when you said that. That'll be work. Oh. oh, fuck. Team just the fact that he calls him team member Joe. Uh, good. All right. Nice. New guy, Richie. Two films, two months. Let's go. Um, also, uh, Netflix announced um, a, bun- a-, a bunch of films being released this year in some dates. Uh, we know that uh, David Fincher's The Killer comes out in November. So uh, I need to have a look at our spreadsheet. Um, <laughs> and um, Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon Part One comes out right before Christmas. <laughs> oh, oh, God. That that's gonna be like a fucking social media fucking Christmas gift, that isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, can't wait. Um, and uh, yeah, Gal Gadot's got an action film on there in August. Extraction Two comes out on Bruce Springsteen Day, uh, June sixteenth. Um, a day that will live in infamy. Um, and uh, yeah. It's interesting, this. It doesn't... Oh, Murder Mystery 2 is out in March as well. Fucking A. Nice. Um, it, it, and it, but the thing is, this this kind of like trailer that they put out looked a little bit... Hmm. If this, is, if this is like what you've got here, don't get me wrong, there's a few interesting things here, but there's also an awful lot of... Uh, yeah, it kind of feels like maybe you're not getting as many 
stars and directors and whatnot that, that, than you were. And, you know, uh, Netflix are doing some cost cutting and whatnot. But I, I kind of almost think it's just a further little bit of evidence that things are going back to studios and going back to theatrical play, which I know is going to please Noel no end. Um, but at least, you know, there is a bit of a compromise now, though, where, hey, if you miss a film in the cinema, it will probably be available somewhere a few weeks later, not in the cinema. Which never used to happen. So yep. that's something. It's really taking the urgency and the appeal out of going to the cinema for me, though, I'll be honest, because there's so many times recently when we've, we've we've needed to go to the cinema to review something for, for this. And it's been like, fuck, I wish I could just watch this at home. And if, if there was the option to watch everything at home, I don't think I'd ever set foot in a cinema again, apart from for the Dune sequel. No, I like the cinema. There's other people there. I like no because because they, no because you do not get that guy's reaction that we got in the Swigan. Yeah, I know, but I could and that was a without, brilliant reaction. I could live Ooh. without that for the for the convenience and comfort of being able to watch it on my nice big TV in my nice warm living room rather than wrapping myself up in my coat because I'm fucking freezing. Oh, it's like it is so cold. It's not. I'm how big's your TV now, Bex? People, big. I don't know. Mark, how big's your TV? You better fucking know. Fifty. <laughs> 50? Yeah. Mm, all right. I just... It's not big enough, but fine. See, that's <laughs> it. I, I feel like I've hit a nice groove of, like, I, I think I used to be, I want to watch everything at home. Um, mm. But I feel like now it's it's less about the film and it's more about, okay, I've got time to go and see a film this week. I mean, you know, there, there are certain things that I want to see at the cinema, but a lot of the time it'll be like, right, what's on at the cinema next week? Because I'm not doing anything on Tuesday and it'll be a good thing to do. Um, the rest of the time, yes, I would quite like to just have stuff on my screen, my projector at home, mm. because I've, you know, that's changed my fucking life, that thing. Um, <laughs> but I feel like I've got a nice balance at the moment where I'm enjoying home watching kind of as much as I'm enjoying cinema watching. It's just a, it's more the convenience thing than anything else, you know, when I can fit things in. See, I think that's the issue. It is, it, it is inconvenient, isn't it? Like, mm. because we... Obviously, where we are now, it's a bit of a trek to the cinema and the times never quite line up with when you're free. And Mm. if you have to see something specific, it's not a case of, oh, I'm free at this time. What shall I say? It's fucking hell. I need to see this. When can I go? Becky, you need to move. I quite like where I am. To be fair, I don't hate it as much as I did when we were going to Cineworld all the time. I quite like the parkway. You like the parkway because they always take the piss out of me. They do take the piss out of me. That was funny last night. Right, tangent. What happened? <laughs> Go on, Rebecca. <laughs> so we, we walk up to the counter and Mark, not not quietly, says, you're going to have to ask for these tickets because I'm just going to ask for tickets for Mithrigan. And I said, I'm sure that this gentleman would be fine with that. And he just laughed. So the, the, the bants were already kind of on. And then um, he asks, so... <laughs> background every time we go the people ask us to pick our seats and um mark jabs at the fucking screen it's not a touch screen but he does it anyway so (laughs) this time we went right oh god right remember mark it's not a touch screen um so mark then reads out oh we'll have g10 and 11 
and the and the guy says, "Oh, we've upgraded the monitors, so you can just tap it on the screen." <laughs> <laughs> and he so nearly did before he went. Ah, that's fucking incredible. <laughs> that cheeky bastard. Oh, so that was fun. brilliant. But that's that's nice though, because that just shows that you've got also you've got a good relationship with the people who work there, and I think that's kind of key to it as well. Mm. If I if my local cinema was a fucking Cineworld or an Odeon. I would be less enthused about going there. But if you've got a good local, you know, a good, like we've got a great cinema that's kind of near us, you know, you've seen how far it is from me. That's like a 10, 15 minute drive away. And I like going to that cinema. It's a nice environment. Mm. So that goes a long way. Like I could not be dealing with going into a shitty cinema world nowadays. No, I think I'm done with multiplexes. Mm. They're just soulless. Yeah. Yeah. And the coffee machines never work. <laughs> the, the the standards of projection, I've said this so many times, so I'll be quick. The standards of projection at Odeon, I think, are actually really, really good. And that keeps me going to Odeon, as well as the fact that I got a limitless pass for the year for like 150 quid, which is fuck all, considering the amount I use it. Cineworld, once my annual pass runs out this uh, no next month, I'm never getting another Cineworld pass ever again. Fuck Cineworld. Um, How is Cineworld on the sort of... Because the thing, the attractive thing about Cineworld used to be, and I've not been to one in literally maybe, I don't know, four or five years or something. Like the attraction with Cineworld used to be that they would play quite a few things that not all other, not a lot of other places would play. Is that still the case? Or? That, that, yeah. So to be fair, the one in Cardiff, I maybe not so much these days, Um like and but to be fair, I think it's because they play an awful lot of uh Bollywood films or and or Nollywood films. Mm. Like they do a lot of them these days, and I love that they do. Um, so I'm not gonna necessarily criticize it, but the Odeon does pretty much enough. And then if there is an art house film that I want to go and see, chapter the art house here plays them and they're six pound a ticket. Yeah, that's, that's a good right. thing about, for instance, if I wanted to go to the cinema tomorrow to Parkway, this is what I could go and see. They're reshowing See How They Run. Uh, they're reshowing Banshees. Uh, Mathregan. Roald Dahl's uh, Matilda is still playing. A Man Called Otto. Avatar Way of Water. I'm going to dance with somebody. Empire of Light. Till and The Old Way. Mark, The Old Way, the Nicolas Cage Western. Yep. They're playing that. Yep. Fuck. Yep. And then obviously Friday, um, Book of Vision and Babylon kick in. Book of All right, Vision. Okay, but on the on the counter side of that, if you wanted to What's go to Cineworld tomorrow, you could see Mithrigan, Verisu, Empire of Light, A Man Called Otto, Till, that god-awful Whitney Houston thing, Avatar and Matilda. So they've not got much more. No, they've got, I'm saying they've got less. I'm saying that the park where we, weirdly is kind of stacked. Yeah, it is, yeah. Oh, sorry, I was, I, I missed your, your, your lead in. I was trying to get the Cineworld app open. I think Which the is now thing, shit. <laughs> the only thing for me is, like, obviously we've got the, the light in Stockport, which is great, but it's a drive away. So what will usually happen is either me or Adam or Austin, our mate, uh, from nearby one of us will drive and the other two can have a couple of beers if we've also got a very local cinema in marple which is like a 10 minute walk away from our house and that night is more we can all sort of walk down to the local pub have a couple of pints and then go into that cinema 
if only that cinema showed better or more different stuff because the, the the difference that it makes to a night you know you can walk down there you can walk back have a couple of pints on the way there that type of thing it's perfect but it's become a bit of a sort of running joke with us that you know you know what the uh what the schedules get they've got they've got one screen and you can spot a region uh, a marple region film a mile away so you know to give you an examples they show ticket to paradise and they showed living and they showed mrs harris goes to paris and basically anything that's going to appeal to like people over the age of 50 or 60 that's mm. what they're going to show there um which occasionally works out fine because this week like they're showing empire of light this week so that works that works quite well but then a lot of the time you'll end up with i don't know the best exotic marigold hotel three running for two <laughs> weeks and you don't necessarily need that um i don't know if that film exists if it doesn't when it comes out it will be playing locally near me. So. i'm i'm currently going through negotiations to write and direct oh, fine yeah <laughs> i'm sorry i feel like that comment just absolutely killed your flow there no, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I was done but it's it's that's i mean that's the thing i've got the good multiplex nearby but it's a bit of a drive i kind of wish that this local cinema was a little bit better so i am planning to buy it at some point uh and turn it into a much better cinema so can you call it the marplex that makes sense yes (laughs) i absolutely will fucking a good good right trailers do we do we have any you're gonna have to remind me if i've seen any I watched the trailer for Marlowe. I watched that, that? Too, yeah. Uh, it's it's a Liam Neeson does a noir, but yet what? still essentially seems to play. Liam <laughs> Neeson. I'm so glad you said that because yeah. I I even looked up like because I don't know much about the Raymond Chandler novels or Philip Marlowe as a character, but when you look up like Philip Marlowe as a character, it's it's. Uh, you know, a hard-bitten, wise-cracking LA detective, and yeah. then you watch this trailer, and it's, my name is Philip Marlowe. That's not a Los Angeles hard-bitten yeah. detective. He's doing, like, fucking mutai on people and, like, breaking chairs over people. <laughs> I'm a Los Angeles cop. And all of all of the most interesting actors in it have not, like, credited. So it's like, it says... Liam Neeson, Diane Kruger, Jessica Lang, and then you've got like Danny Houston fucking turns up. I like Danny Houston. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I will it's say so it cool looks big, isn't it? <laughs> it looks like the most expensive film that uh, Liam Neeson's been in for a while. Who's yes. fucking directing this? God, I don't know. I miss this. Neil this Jordan. Sounds... Neil Jordan. Neil yeah. Jordan. Yeah. Wow. We. Yeah. It looks like it's got some good action in it as well. I mean, I sell Zace. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's. It has got Tuesday night written all over it. Uh, it's got Marple Regent Cinema written all over it. <laughs> Hell yeah! Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, 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 not Marble Regent Cinema. Oh no, it might be a bit too loud. Oh, you mean the? Mar- I mean the Marplex. Sorry. I mean, are you? Yes, the Marplex. Are you being too loud? It might be it might be a bit too loud. The the film, I mean, for the old people. Oh right. Liam <laughs> <laughs> Neeson's too gravelly. Yeah. Well, Daryl De Silva's in it. Oh yes. 
Uh, Liam, uh, Liam, Mark, do you Liam these No, not Mark, no, no. Do you <laughs> Liam these again? My name is Philip Marlowe. <laughs> I'd love, yeah. That's good. <laughs> Fuck, oh, this is chaos. This is great. Um, I'll watch that. I, I, I'm actually going to, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I will happily watch that, to be honest. Yeah, I'll it, watch that. It sounds fucking amazing. Yeah, it, it, it looks, it, it looks like the most seven out of ten movie ever made. That's Liam Neeson. Yeah. Um, also, the most um, the most Amazon Prime of movies ever made. Um, somebody I used to know starring Alison Brie and written and directed by Dave Franco. <laughs> oh, Did anybody get like I watched this as well? This felt like because it says written and it says written by Alison Brie and Dave Franco. Yeah. And directed by Dave Franco. This just feels like a weird Dave Franco fantasy. Yeah. They like I can imagine he was like jerking off while they were writing it together. Yeah. And in the director's chair. Yes, while in the director. Yeah. <laughs> With a megaphone. I, 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 I get the feeling. <laughs> I get the feeling like like no, but this was something that James Franco told Dave Franco would be kinky. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to do this for me. They won't make me. Let, they yeah. won't let me make movies anymore. Yeah. I'm not allowed to do because I'm kinky as fuck. But you're boring. So, and you've got a hot wife. Trust me, I know. We're just friends, though. Danny Poody's in it. What? Danny Poody's in it. Uh, Of course he is. What's a Danny Poody? Off of Community. Nothing. What's a Danny Poody with you? (laughs) 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 That's pretty good. Oh, dear. Uh, Yeah, just he's in Community with her, isn't he? Oh, okay. That'll be why I don't know what a Danny Poody is. Fair enough. It looks very flat, and also I'd say in that was it two minute twenty seconds that trailer. It's pretty much the whole film right there. I don't know if there's anything more to explore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it keeps no secrets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hang on. I just want to check something real quick. Sorry, 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 sorry. Come on, come on, come on. Right, yeah, okay. That yeah, he's in Mythic Quest as well. All right. Fine. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um I what I was going sorry, 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 because I didn't want to say he was in Mythic Quest, and it turns out that I was talking about the wrong person. Um, because I thought that might sound really bad. But no, Danny Poody is Yes, he's the guy from Mythic Quest. I know what yes, a Danny Poody is. He's great in Mythic Quest as well, and he's you know, He's most people are great in Mythic Quest, but um, he's great in that. I, Alison Brie, I've never really got Alison Brie. Nope. No, there was a whole there was a whole thing like getting on like getting on for ten years ago, wasn't it? Mm. Where she was like the hot new thing, mm. but then never actually did anything to kind of back it up outside of. Like there was, there was like a bit that. of a period and it was around when she came to the fore where like very shrill type A girls that like basically bullied their partners was like a whole kink, wasn't yeah. it? And it seems to have gone away, but Alison Brie hasn't. Yeah. And she's still yeah. just there being very shrill and type A. Yeah. And all Aubrey Plaza seems to have navigated it quite well. Yeah. Um She's not shrill know, though, is she? She's got a very deep voice and I think that's no, more calming. I, 
she's I, calmingly I, oh, twattish like she'd just yeah. she'd rip you to shreds with her words and you'd yeah. fucking love it <laughs> yeah yeah I think that's it it's a difference between I think I feel like Alison Brie is annoying yeah whereas Aubrey, Aubrey, Pra Aubrey Plaza is just a bitch sort of <laughs> sly and a bit sort of like dry <laughs> and funny and like you say yeah. she's she's mean but like funny with it yeah I just Alison Brie's got far too much of a neurotic air to her. I can't. Mm. No. Alison Brie has has very much. Um, We're just ripping poor Alison Brie apart now. But she has very much like she'd arrive at a party and as they're walking through a door, she'd turn to Dave Franklin and go, "We're staying for fifteen fucking minutes and then we're leaving, David." <laughs> yeah. And, and then she walks up and he just mutters to himself, "It's Dave." <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. He does seem like the type that get bullied as well. Oh, yeah. And enjoy it. Yeah. He has been pegged. And I'm not judging him on that. That's fine. But he has. Yeah, but her calling him James while she did it, that's a going bit far. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. You like James's dick, David? It's Dave. <laughs> it's Dave. I'm never going to be able to look at Dave Franco now without thinking, it's Dave. I always... I... I... I will never ever forget watching. Um, oh, I know what you're gonna say, shit. and I, I, and I, and I'll never forget it either. I know exactly what you're gonna say. Okay. Were this you is, there? This no, is you told you told us about oh. it, and it stuck with me as well. Yeah. Every time I see Dave Franco, I think of that. Com- is this the conversation you had with Donna? Yeah. So yeah. we're watching Twenty One Jump Street, and uh, and <laughs> she, Don, I, yeah, Donna's just like. Oh, that, that 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 guy um kind of looks like James Franco, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's his brother Dave, and she just looked <laughs> at me like, shut the fuck up, you twat, like what, you know, just like like I'm fucking about. I'm like, no, seriously, that's his brother Dave, and it just like, it, but it is that though, isn't it? It's just like he's like the brother, like the random looking guy who kind of looks like James Franco, but isn't as good looking as James Franco, and of course he's called Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Like some somewhere out there, there's also a Dave Hemsworth. Yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> it probably is. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure one of the one of the Hemsworths started working for the company I worked for last week, taking phone calls about pensions. You know, I think that's Dave Hemsworth. Yeah, but he was also in Neighbours. What Dave Hemsworth? Yeah, what the rest of them were. Oh dearie me. Um. So, uh, any other trailers? I mean, we've had some bangers so far. Oh, I, actually, the Ashton Kutcher, the Reese Witherspoon one. Oh, I, I, that's that. the one I didn't watch because as Reese Witherspoon, it's so I just figured you wouldn't have watched it. No, 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 I did, I did, because like um, uh, Donna loves Reese Witherspoon. So, um, net, new Netflix one uh, where they uh, play like uh, the friends who, when they met, they shagged, but then just like stayed friends after uh, they like they almost holiday it in like house swap or something and then reese witherspoon starts a relationship with some guy and then ashton kutcher realizes he actually loved her all along or something um i mean it, it looks like exactly how that sounds it, it looks it, it feels like it's going to be aggressively three out of five but you know i watched both legally blonde films i watched sweet home alabama over the last few years Reese Witherspoon, I get why people like her. It's just that I don't like her. 
It's written it's written and directed by the woman who wrote 27 Dresses, Devil Wears Prada, Morning Glory, We Bought a Zoo, and Cruella. There are some good credits in there. Yeah. Morning Glory is, is actually a really enjoyable film. Yep, low-key slaps. I test-printed that um, on a Saturday night at, like, midnight in the Cardiff View, and... Uh, was like had the most surprisingly entertained time. Yeah. 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 Good. Uh, so yeah, your place or mine looks okay. We'll watch with Donna. Uh, I got halfway through a uh, trailer for a film called Sharper, um, that stars. Uh, did you stop Lee. because it wasn't sharp enough? I did stop because it was sharp. I stopped because I I went. I'm already bored of this film, and I'm only a minute and thirty seconds of the trailer. <laughs> That's very blunt, have you? <laughs> Fuck, that's better. <laughs> oh. Is it got Julianne Moore in it? She's boring now. Oh, Ju- is this the Apple TV one? I think is, I, I think, stopped watching yeah, I this as that. well. <laughs> it just looks boring. Do you know, I remember starting that trailer, but genuinely, I can't remember stopping that trailer. Well, no, I do. I don't remember finishing that trailer, so I must have stopped that trailer. Yeah. Con just, artist takes on Manhattan's billionaires. I just don't Sounds great. care. <laughs> is it John Lithgow she yep. gets with or something? And the guy, Justice Smith, is ripping them off or something? Justice Smith's his son. Um, and it's um, Julianne Moore and Sebastian Stan, uh, a mother and son team who will end up ripping him off or something like that. It's got... Actually, he's going to turn out to be her boyfriend rather than fucking son written all over it. <laughs> nice. Justice Smith, is he the one out of uh, Pokemon, yeah? Yes. He was previously an animated character. Why Why don't we have another live-action Pokemon film? Yeah, it feels like that should have been announced by now, shouldn't it? It feels yeah. like COVID maybe kicked that in the dick. Are they yeah. trying to maybe lock down Ryan Reynolds and they can't? Maybe, but... I I want that. Detective Pikachu's great. Which which Pokemon would you like it to focus on? Fucking Wooloo, buddy. What the fuck's Wooloo? I've got, because last time you did this, I never knew if you were taking the piss out of me or not with, like, pretend names. Wooloo. I don't, I don't, I don't know Wooloo. No, I'm telling you, look him up now. Wooloo. I've probably seen him before. Uh, is it W-O-O-L-O-O, I swear, I think. I can get like a sheep with braids. Oh, he's like a sheep, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah, but he's called Wooloo. Okay. Marchomp is a fucking beast as well. Yeah, see, I, we, me and Charlie play this a lot. We play, um, like, if we're ever bored somewhere, like on a train or whatever, like, I'll just get my phone out and just using notes, you have to guess the Pokemon. You have to play who's that Pokemon, but you just draw a Pokemon. And the other person has to guess it. So I've That's ended great. up learning quite a lot of Pokemon that way. Um, you good dad. That's great. It's, it's fun. Um, and, and also, I think it's that sort of the fact that he knows so many of these things. I find it really impressive. So it's it's almost like, you know, the way yeah. I used to be with something like, I don't know, like Transformers or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, we got a Cubone in, the, in, the, in Detective Pikachu and Cubone's my favourite, but... Um, I'd take an Umbreon or a what's the 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 orange and black tiger thing that uh, that starts off as a little cat. Oh, fuck I really me. like that guy. 
Um, cat Pokemon. Let's find him. My favourite was always um, Flareon because it looks like a cat. But with Flareon. a really big, bushy tail. He looks so confused. <laughs> and I always hated what's... Um, is it like Bulbasaur? And it's like a plant head thing. Yeah, Bulbasaur. Oh, yeah. Ooh, cat. Toracat's oh. awesome. I like Toracat. Toracat. How is, right, how is spelling that? T O R R A C A T. Toracat. If it wasn't for the swearing, I'd play this back to Lottie and she'd, it would blow her mind that we're talking about this. And he evolves into. Incineroar. Oh, Incineroar. shit! Yeah. Incineroar is great. Incineroar is a proper badass as well. Yeah, he is. Nice. But they. They need to do another another one. It was a slam dunk. It made a crap load of money. People yeah. liked it. It's got a banging version of that Pokemon, I think, like, uh, Pokemon uh, something city theme during the end credits of that thing. Um, that 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 film slaps, and we need another one. And I know COVID has kicked a lot of things in the dick, but do you know what? We're getting an extraction, too. We can have a Pokemon Detective Pukachu. Pikachu. It must be the pies. it must be the Reynolds factor because he's got his fingers in a lot of pies at the moment, and he also said he was taking a break. So it has to be it has to be that. Shame. Uh, more trailers? I don't have anything else now. I've got one more that that's um, I don't know how worth talking about it is. It's it's called Consecration. It's a a Shudder one. Uh, I think it popped up in my YouTube because it's a shudder one. I've been watching a fair amount of horror stuff recently. I seem to be in a bit of a horror mood. Um, so it's basically uh, Jenna Malone uh, in a, um, a nunnery, I guess, and there's something spooky going on. It starts off, it looks interesting, and it starts off looking like it's going to go to an interesting place. But the horror stuff of it, it doesn't seem very clear what the horror like I, there are three instances in a two and a half minute trailer of a sort of mousy looking nun who pops out on Gemma, Gemma Malone to say peekaboo it happens three times in the trailer and I'm like is is that all the scares in this is this just Gemma Malone walking <laughs> around a nunnery and this this nun pops out occasionally and says peekaboo um so I'll watch it because it's gonna turn up on Shudder uh but yeah, I kind of feel like I need more information. It's a religious horror with Danny Houston in it. I think I'd probably be alright with that. Yeah, and it, some of it looks some of it looks really good, like in terms mm. of the settings. I'm not sure where it's set. It looks like it might be set in like you know Ireland or the Lake District or something like that. Um, Scotland. Is it Scotland? A um, remote Scottish convent, apparently. Oh, but then there's like so a lot of it looks great. But then mm. there's one shot of Gemma Malone outside the nunnery at about 20 seconds and it looks weirdly soft focus like the whole thing's been run through a photoshop filter or something so yeah i don't know i'll watch it looks fairly interesting or it could end up being very boring we'll see question so it's set in britain is it very gray it's got a pretty washed out look to it yeah (laughs) yeah love it par for the course we have no colour in this in this no. berg. Dirty, dirty Britain. Dirty. <clears throat> right. 
Let's do it. Let's unleash Mafregan. Uh, directed by Gerald, Gerard Johnstone and starring Alison Williams, Violet McGraw, Ronnie Chiang, Jen Brown, Brian Jordan Alvarez and uh, Amy Donald and Jenna Davis as Mafregan. Amy Donald uh, being the physical performance, Jenna Davis being the voice. Uh, so, Mafregan. Uh, Alison Williams uh, is asked to make a toy. Um, she makes the toy. Well, actually, she doesn't make the toy that she's asked to. She makes Mafregan. Why? Uh, to look after her niece, whose parents were killed in a car crash, partially caused by a farting doll. Um, Mafregan needs to protect the kid at all costs, and that will include killing and being a salty little bitch. <laughs> Noel, you're the guest. Let's start with you, Mafregan. What were your thoughts? Um, yeah, overall, honestly, I, I liked it. I felt like it ticked a lot of boxes for me in terms of the tone and what it was going for. It felt like it was going for a similar vibe to, I would say, something like the first Child's Play film. It, it sort mm. of, you know, there's a certain amount. It's it's not as crazy as Child's Play 2 and 3 end up. It's more in the vein of the first Child's Play where it's sort of played seriously, but it's it can't help but be funny. Um, and I think that's probably where I've, what disappointed me slightly about it. it. It felt like it was about two or three kills short of a really good time. Yeah. Um, mm. it, it was it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was really entertaining, but I just could have done with a little bit more chaos. Bex, it kind of it feels like you're of a similar vibe. Yeah, that that basically 100% echoes my sentence sentiments. It just needs a bit more bite. Mm. It's just it's a little bit too tame. Well, the fact that they they did cut bits to get a a PG thirteen yeah. in the US does make you, you watch it going, yeah. You can yeah. tell. Yeah, you can tell mm. on, on that. And saying that, you know, I watched Drag Me to Hell and that was my inspiration because that's a PG-13. That has so much more going for it oh, in the God, in yeah. the um, sort of like atmosphere and the, the, the gore and the violence and just inherently creepy subject PG-13? matter. Mm. Yeah. Jesus. Whereas I think you've got to work a little bit harder to make a doll mm. the, the scary is- and not funny. The thing is with Drag Me to Hell, the reason why that's a PG thirteen is because like a lot of the like the fluids in that film are <laughs> not red. Mm. You know, <laughs> yeah. they're like like oozy kind of stuff and like it's disgusting, but it's not blood. Yeah. You know, so like because it's more like it's, snot. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like gross and not like blood, you can get away with the PG thirteen. It's wild mm. that Drag Me to Hell's a PG thirteen. The other thing I'd potentially compare it to as well in the same in, in the same vein is uh, is everybody familiar with Deadly Friend, the Wes Craven film? Yeah. Sure. It felt like again, it was about two or three like it was about two or three kills away from being another one of those, which is what I was kind of hoping for. So like if you think about the um you're all spoilers all the time, aren't you? Um, yeah. if you think about the kill of the next door neighbour, that sort of had shades of the sort of basketball kill in um in deadly friend 
but not quite as as zany. So I felt like if if it had had a few more of those, you know, Megan uh, Mathrigan killing uh, people who've been bad to her or who've been, you mm. know, who've, who've, like the guy who poked her with the stick in that sort of uh, the bit that was sort of um, the Boston Electronics kind of thing uh, where he was sort of like jabbing her with a stick. Like mm. she strung him up at one point, but then he, he got cut down and he was OK. And I'm like, no, you should have like beat him to death with that thing that he was hitting you with. Or should have yanked like... it and it should have cut into his throat or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, some, or even just, you know, a little bit like Deadly Friend was. And I think some of the child's play stuff, she exacts revenge on people, which sort of reflects the way that she was treated by them. That would have been great. A little bit more of that. Mm. Uh, but it's not a major complaint because I was entertained, but I just kind of it just felt like it was just a little bit short. I just wanted it to be a little bit nastier. Mm. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I'll go to Mark in a sec, but just to mix things up a bit. Like I, I, I gotta say, I, I kind of feel like maybe we're going to be four for four here. It, I really enjoyed it. It felt like almost like if they knew the kind of impact the marketing was going to have when they were filming it. Mm. I feel like there would have been some more crazy to it. Yeah. But what I what I enjoyed was the fact that, OK, there wasn't like there's actually not that many kills in it at all. Um, but what well, I two and the first one's kind of an accident. Fuck me. So hang on. So we've got. You got okay. You got the lamb. Apart from the dog, like there's the dog, but I think that's off camera, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, I wasn't a massive fan of that for obvious reasons, but uh, hey. Um, you got the you got the kids, you got the neighbour, you've got the boss, you've got the oh, boss's yeah. assistant, oh, and then actually, yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So four. It feels like the next one. I'm a little worried they're going to go too much in the opposite direction. But then again, maybe I want it to just go too much in the opposite direction. Well, that's it. The next one is going to be Child's Play 2, like, yeah. I think. Mm, and mm. I think that's probably what I was hoping for. Yeah, the, the, the next one the next one is going to have that they've already started building, like, fucking prototype uh, factory line ones and she's going to end up with a Mithrigan army. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, like, I... I liked it Alison Williams was interesting casting I think it worked because it feels like she can play smart and also utterly unfeeling to human emotion mm. at least at the start of the film um yeah I I, I liked her and also the, the girl who played like the physical presence of Mafregan is incredible the fact that like she did just did all those moves is a little bit insane i'm thinking particularly of like when she goes running after that boy in the woods and oh, just goes down on all fours never all four really yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's 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 something uh, i'm so, just gonna put it out there now when he was like messing with her because yeah. obviously he was a bit older wasn't he yeah when he yeah. was messing with her and he laid her down and he like yeah. straddled her, I yeah. thought that was going to go in a different direction. Yeah, there was an odd moment there, mm. wasn't there? Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm um, kind of glad it didn't because the, yes. where I thought it was going that way, I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this. Mm. Yeah. You can't, you you can't, you can't do that with no. this. It's like if 
I don't think they would, but if they tried to do Mafregan seducing someone who's coded as a paedophile or something oh, like that. No. No, yeah, that's unless they be... get Alex Garland to direct the next one, that's not happening, is it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, but I, it, it, it's. I think this is a really, really good starter for ten. The next one could be an absolute banger, but we'll we'll see. But Mark, what were your thoughts? Uh, I think I, I echo what you guys say. What I will say is, I thought it was a. It's really quite engaging to watch. It's quite an easy watch. Mm. There's not, you know, it's. It's not just like 90 minutes. Uh, it's just over 100 minutes, but it doesn't feel... There's not an awful lot of kind of like fat on it. it it's quite a no. lean film. Mm. Um, and it's, it's it's intriguing to watch. I liked the nods to Robocop that were in it. Mm. I thought they were fun. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, the ad at the start. The ad at the start. Oh, yeah, that's the, great. When she was um, calibrating the sight thing and she's using the pen and it's doing mm. the, the marker thing to catch it, the calibrating that mm. was very... It, it, it was so Robocop that it, it's, it, it, it had to be intentional. Yeah. 100%. I will say I also like the moment where she did the thing with the pen and then the second time she did it, she just twatted it out of her hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think... I. I I liked it, but I agree with you guys. It, it it could have done to either have gone more fucking crazy. Um, like where she's in the um, she's in the offices, um, and she she just kills the two guys. You could have done with a little bit of a rampage there. Yeah, yeah, yes. that's what I thought we were gonna get. Like when she yes. came out, when they came out of the elevator, and there's all those people there. It's like right, she's gonna fucking kick off. Yeah, she's gonna go full like, fucking, fucking Gabriel. Fight dancing, like yeah, killing everyone, and then she just fucking yeah, she's gonna like creates a diversion and walks out. Yeah, again, that kind of feels like if they shot half the film. But it, like the teaser, the, the the trailer was like part of that half of the film. I think Universal would have been like, right, here's fifteen million dollars more. Go film a massacre, and they would have done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I say one thing, which is a really, really mild complaint, but it bugged me. Cool. Right, it's just a doll, yeah. right? Dolls come with alternative fucking clothing. I got sick of seeing her in that shitty dress. She was a prototype. I don't care. She would have fit into children's clothes, put her in some fucking jeans and a t-shirt. I hated that dress by the end of this movie. <laughs> and that stupid fucking scarf. And there, was a sh- there was a shot of, like, other kids, like, dressing as her as well, on not there, I think? Oh, God, mm. yeah. When she went on sale. Mm. Or, when it, or when she was about That's to right. get announced. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah, she looked like she'd been dressed by, like, Nanny McPhee. Yeah, yeah. Like, why would... She, she's a prototype that's been made by a bunch of fucking millennials. She'd be wearing a band t-shirt and some jeans, mm. probably some Converse, if it was a prototype. Yeah, she'd look like a, a like a um, like a Bratz or a LOL surprise or something like that. Like, <laughs> God, I'm showing my age, right? <laughs> you know, you're showing your parentage. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I will say that actually on the on the the, the there was there was things. The things that I liked about it were not the things that I thought I was going to like about it going in. So I think one of the most interesting things in it was the relationship that Mithrigan has with Alison Williams' character. Just the little moments across the dinner table, like where she's sort of judging her parenting, mm. if you like. Mm. Um, there's a couple of shots 
where Alison Williams says something or does something and Megan's like, oh, right, yeah, that's, 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 you know, there's a sort of, even though there's no expression on her face, there's a sarcasm or a sort of yeah. like, an, an, an acidic look that she gives her weirdly. They do a lot with dead eyed looks in this. Yeah. Film. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, one on the video with the CEO as well, isn't there? Which is good. But they're showing before the like the expo thing. I can't remember what it is he says, but and he just she just sort of looks at him like fuck off. Yeah, he says something really fucking. He says something like quite punny and really fucking dumb, doesn't he? Yeah. And she kind of looks at him. Mm. I like well, the, the CEO as well. Sorry. Yeah, yeah he's, he's great. Yeah, he's a, he's a comedian. He's a stand-up comedian, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, he he plays it very very fucking well. Mm. The assistant was too stereotypical, snaky assistant though, wasn't he? Mm. And I mean, I I, I kind of wonder whether they were like eye to a sequel or something like that. But it was kind of weird to me that they did the um him stealing the sending, information. Yeah, yeah and, and it's like she mentions yeah. it, but it's never really dealt with. And it was like, okay, so that 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 is going to be the sequel then. Oh yeah. That's the, I mean, again, that's the Child's Play 2 sequel where it's like, you know, they've mass produced a load more of these things without realising that there's something in the, well, I think it was the chip in the Child's Play series, but there's in this it'll be, oh no, there's something in the code that allows it to learn, allows it to, you know, eliminate. They but kind of, the they, they, they hint that, they, they drop that earlier on, where she says, that I didn't have a chance to put in the parental guides. Megan Child's Play 2, so. Yeah. 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 Basically, yeah. yeah, she's failed to put in the the basic AI protocols yeah. into Megan. Mm. Thou shalt not. Or, the, or you know, they'll they'll <laughs> they'll 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 bring out a new Megan that has had all of the um, correct protocols installed now, but then this version is fra is the stolen version doesn't have have those things in, and we'll get a Mithrigan versus Mithorgan. <laughs> well what i need to the death i mean like with um james one's company having um like a, a, about to kind of basically merge with blumhouse and become like a mega horror corp what we're gonna need is mafregan versus gabriel yeah um where, I, I believe that's the only way that mafregan can be defeated by um the uh growth on annabelle wallace's head that's what that's what we need and i think that's what we deserve well at least the would be um familiar with both characters though (laughs) yes yes you would there's a very obvious alice and williams problem to get around there though isn't there (laughs) she's not in malignant is she not who plays the female version of wait a minute the female in my head Uh, um of what's his name Gabriel. Gabriel. Oh shit! Why did I? Yeah, of Gabriel. I thought she was Alison. Oh, no, it's Annabelle oh, okay. Wallace. Who, who's Annabelle had a, Wallace? A, yeah, really yeah. interesting career she has. She pops up in James Wan films, and she was the female lead op- opposite Tom Cruise in The Mummy. In The Mummy, yeah. <laughs> and that's all I think I've seen her in. Yeah, uh, no, but, that's weird. That was me. I think in my head, Alison Williams was um, the Annabelle Wallace character in Malignant. But uh, yeah, I've only seen that film once. You need to see it at least three more times. I really do need to watch it again, actually. I've been thinking about it a lot recently. Malignant. Mm. 
What a picture. Um, all right, so it kind of feels like maybe we're, we're, we're done with Mifregan, and generally it's good effort. Yep. Next one's going to be great. Yeah, yeah very much like that. It, 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 it's, it's definitely not shit. Um, could, I, I get the feeling there might be like a an extended cut that comes out that mm. is a little bit more, all right, that's a bit more gnarly. Yeah. I'd say definitely not shit, but I would also caveat that with, you know, for, for anybody who hasn't seen this yet, go and enjoy the film that that is there and not, because it feels a little bit like the buzz that I'm sensing around this feels like it's people reviewing the meme and, mm-hmm. and not reviewing the film. Yeah. You know, yeah, that, that it's, it's good. It's, it's highly entertaining, but I feel like people are... Yeah, people are considering that very short moment, which has turned into a gif as the film, and that's really not what the film is. Mm. Yeah, agree. Um, it is kind you know, I, and I don't know, it's interesting because that whole kind of like reviewing the meme thing maybe speaks to a bit of a wider point, and I, uh, I won't go too far, far on this, but just the way that it feels like film criticism and whatnot online now needs to be going with the clickbaity going with what's popular and whatnot and that like like you, but yeah I, I kind of feel like are critics bigging up megan and signal boosting megan or mafregan sorry um because they know that that is going to get them more views and likes and whatnot you know, 100 you know, percent. i mean yeah, it's it's a they're reviewing the cultural moment that is Megan as opposed to the actual film that they saw, and I think the reason that they do that is very intentional. It's it's to tap into the 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 zeitgeist and the cultural decision, the cultural discussion around something. And I don't think it's necessarily 100% intentional. I think most of these reviewers live online and they're part of that cultural discussion and they're excited by the meme culture and the discussion around Megan. So they're just sort of, you know, they're enjoying being part of that debate and that's fine. But I just, I don't, it just doesn't feel like a, a correct reflection of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Quite. It, it, I don't know. That's, that, that, that's an interesting point that it's, um, I think the podcast that you uh, put me onto, Noel, the town. Um, did, we, did we just lose someone? Nope. Still here. I think so. Um, so this podcast, The Town, uh, where it's uh, Bat- uh, Matt Bellany, who's uh, uh, some sort of writer, he did an interview last week with Universal's head of uh, distrib- uh, like marketing and distribution about Mafregan. And it was interesting because they were talking about like tapping into like kind of like TikTok, uh, TikTok culture and, you know, the way that marketing has had to change is like um, demographics have, have, have changed. And Bellamy at the end was just like, this all just sounds a bit depressing, really. That it's basically like you're trying to get people into um, into cinemas by just like parading TikToks of people dancing. And it kind of felt like the, the, this distribution guy, he was, he was trying to kind of like put a pretty face on it. But it, it was a little bit like, yeah, it is. Um, you know, it, it, it's. The films that are successful in, in the US at the moment are 
like Avatar, obviously, Mafregan by basically getting on TikTok and look at these girls dancing, look at this five second bit mm. in the trailer. Um, and then weirdly, a man called Otto, which <laughs> in its expansion in its second weekend did double what its projections were. And it's basically and what they've basically said is in New York and L.A., it really underperformed. It did fuck all, which had like distribution executives going like this film's not going to do anything. And then do you know what? The flyover states really like Tom Hanks playing a grumpy old man. So you've got like this weird like it, it, it's now basically films that can ap- appeal to people on TikTok. Big event films that are kind of more theme park rides than they are films to an extent. Sorry, Avatar Way of Water. That's what you are. Um, and films that people who don't go to the cinema could enjoy because they mm. what enjoy watching aging actor be grumpy. Yeah, I think on one on one hand, without going too deep into this hole, but like I, I think on the one hand, it, it, nothing has changed. You know, film marketing has always been film marketing and and studios and their marketing teams will always take advantage of whatever they can exploit to get people into the cinema. I think the difference is with something like TikTok and with social media being what it is now, now they've got the data. So now they've got the numbers. So everything becomes more of a sort of data based focus group. You know, it used to be that you could just sort of show a movie to a a room full of people get them to fill in a form and then you could make some marketing decisions based on that but now you can put different a and b marketing options out there test see which is getting the numbers see which is getting the likes put more money behind b if it's doing like it's just it's more of a data game and and that unfortunately might lead to us being missold on certain things it's the common thing though Roger Corman's thing always used to be, it doesn't, it, what, what, it doesn't matter, he used to say, it doesn't matter to me what the film is like. Mm. What matters to me is that you bought the ticket. Yeah. So, so his thing would be, make a half decent film, pair it up with just absolute crap, but mm. all you have to do in this 90 minute movie is get me enough to put in a trailer. Mm. Just get and that's me what to put in a trailer. And, and, and that that's what he'd do so that people would go to these double bills to watch the decent one and then the absolute fucking dross that he made off the back of it because that's the one that would get people to go to the cinema. And that's it's not even that much of a problem in in if you if you're if you're taking a film and you're taking the best moments out of it, the art of trailer making is an absolute art and 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 and, uh, you know that i don't have much of a problem with that i think the the problem that we've got now more than sort of you know the dataization of of film marketing and stuff like that is we're starting to see certain um films shoot things for the trailer um either shoot things for the trailer while they're filming them and then include them in the film or in some cases shoot things for the trailer that don't even end up in the film anyway like yeah. that's when you cross a line, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, interesting. I even though then again, I mean, like, well, no, I suppose it wasn't really for the tra- uh, like for the trailer specifically, but I think of the the, uh, the 2005 King Kong, 
there's like a uh, shot in the trailer there where like Naomi Watts screams and then Kong screams and that was in the trailer but not sorry that was just a random fucking synapse firing off in my brain well, there, there was, remembering that there was also like was it last exorcism or something the was it eli roth movie um where Ooh. there was like um there was a bit where she crawls along the ceiling that was in the trailer it was really fucking creepy not in the oh. movie there was a thingy there was a, a court case in the states as well recently like some <laughs> Anna, De, Anna De Armas fans had taken <laughs> yeah, taken the that, Universal yeah. to court over um, what's it called yesterday, yesterday. Yeah. because they said Anna De Armas was in the trailer but she wasn't in the movie. Is that right? Yeah, that's um, right. she's in like the background in a shot. Yeah, but originally she was supposed to be basically a bit of a love triangle thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, essentially, you know, that wasn't they didn't shoot Anna De Armas and uh, for the trailer. They shot something and then cut it out. Yeah. I think a similar one is uh, Fan Forstick, the Fantastic Four movie. Like there was just so like, a bunch of shit in that trailer that never made it into the film. Yeah, it's great. Um, the <laughs> stuff that never made it into the film um, probably wouldn't have helped. Um, but you know, those those were like action scenes and stuff. So, yeah. I feel. No, I feel like if we were like 10 year, years ago, us, we'd do a commentary of Fantastic Four. Just really get hammered and get into it. I wouldn't be against it, mate. I wouldn't be against it. It's got... I just... no, my my favourite bit of the film is the end where they decide to call themselves the Fantastic Four. That's great. Do you know what my favourite bit of that film is? Um... The various wigs that uh, that she ends up wearing for that that indicate the reshoots. It's one of the few scores, uh, film scores that Philip Glass did. Wow, really? It, it's him and uh, a film score journeyman Marco Bertralmi. But yes, Philip Glass is one of the credited composers of Fantastic Four. What a dreadful I mean, film! That and um, old fucking Kebble blowing up people's heads towards the end like there's a sequence where he's going down a corridor and akira-ing people which i enjoy immensely all i'll say is it's some achievement to make the worst fantastic four movie at least at least there's a reason the common one was shit <laughs> Um, you you used to be our comic book correspondent, Noel. So, um, and yeah. I mean now you've graduated to evil doll correspondent. But um, yeah. just <laughs> with, with your old knowledge, um, who's like, what's your kind of like, who you think the Fantastic Four should be at the moment, cast wise? Uh, I mean, it, it sounds like. Um, it, it, sorry, it doesn't sound like they're going to include. Um, What's his face? Who's the guy who played him in the uh, some good strange news, movie? Yeah, Krasinski. Krasinski. It does it, it. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Some good news, man. Um, it doesn't sound like they're gonna play him. Uh, use him. I was never bowled over by the idea of him. Uh, to be honest with you, I think the Tim Story Fantastic Four films. I know everybody hates them, and they aren't great, and the effects are terrible, and I think Jessica Alba's kind of terrible in them. I think the tone of it is kind of right for what the Fantastic Four needs to be. I would, mm. f for me, if they're going to make a Fantastic Four movie, I would say lean into the comedy a little bit, 
set it in the 1950s or 60s, give it a little bit of a sort of um, 1950s, 1960s flavour so you can get away with it being a little bit cornier and just make it the first family of Marvel. Just just don't worry about putting everybody in really boring, drab sort of costumes that sort of look like what Doctor Strange is wearing. Just, you know, be a little bit... It's a little bit like what I said, what I've heard people say about James Bond. You know, fuck all the modern shit. Just set it in 1960 and just let it be James Bond. I'd say the same thing with Fantastic Four. Just... Set it in 1960s, let it be Fantastic Four, let it be family friendly. It doesn't have to be serious. It doesn't all have to be shot on a green screen, green screen like Quantumania clearly is. Um, just have a bit more fun with it and 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 say it on say it in New York as well. I don't. They don't need to be fucking around in space or in the the various fucking realms and quantum realms and stuff like that. Just just bring it down a little bit and just make it a new york 1960s uh period piece do you know what you what i was thinking when you said like like james bond in the 60s like make it like like that yeah all i was thinking there was like you know mr fantastic <laughs> fucking slap about Sue storm with his big old massive <laughs> flappy hand yeah. you know that that's Sorry. A bit of alcoholism and casual racism. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, seriously, Bond, Sean Connery Bond, he liked to slap women. Um, very disconcerting. And he he did an interview, I think, in the 90s, where he's like, you know, sometimes women need to learn to shut up. And, yeah. you know, if I'm going to, you know, sometimes they need a little slap. Um, and yeah, just so, I mean, I don't know. Like, when you say be more like Fantastic Four in the 60s, more like Bond in the 60s. That is my first image, Mr. Fantastic yep. rubbing his hand and slapping Sue Storm about a bit. And I, I'm I'm sorry for that. Well, even the, like, I, I can't, it was it was some podcast I was listening to ages ago and they were talking about, you know, when Daniel Craig was leaving Bond, they were like, all right, well, what's next for Bond? And one of them was saying, you know, make it a period piece, set it in the 1960s. At the same time, there was conversations around, um, I forgot the guy's name, the guy who was in Bridgerton, um Rene Jean Page. Yeah, so Jean he was Rene sort Page. of yeah. he was kind of be, among the favorites and they were talking about, you know, we might have the first black bond. And I thought to myself, well, all right, well, it'd be really interesting to see James Bond in the 1960s being James Bond in in, in a period setting like that because you could make everything look cool and it'd have a, a certain flavor to it and stuff like that. But why not combine that and make James Bond black and in the 1960s and have part of him being who he is having to deal with the fact that he's um an agent who happens to be black in a time that is um you know potentially it's that's a lot more difficult i don't know it just it, it feels like there's i just say everything in the 60s is basically what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. just have mega just have the megan sequel set in the 60s she can be clockwork they can wind her up. It'll be it'll be great. Like steampunk Megan. Steampunk Megan, yeah. But in in also like, but the thing is, Peyton Reed wanted to direct a Fantastic Four film back in the Tim Story films days. Mm. He's done the Ant Man films, mm. like, but he wanted to do Fantastic Four in the sixties. Apparently, that was the big old thing. It was like, do it in the sixties. Yeah. Get Peyton Reed to do it. He's a Marvel guy, and then just at the end, for some fucking reason, they time travel forward. Yeah. Just have one film where they're in the 60s for a couple of hours. And then if you've got to do it, have them time travel. Have Peyton Reed do it. That film will slap. Have the Peyton Reed who did the first two Ant-Man films do it, though. Not the Peyton Reed who's done this last one. Just, you know, just 
bring it down a little bit. Get Edgar Wright to do it. Oh, God. Yeah, well, I mean, he's too busy directing McDonald's commercials. Oh, is he? <laughs> oh, I put that I put that in the boy chat the other day, but I can redo it. Oh, it's, check that out. It is something. Wow. What's this? Edgar Wright has directed the new McDonald's commercial. Is it set in the 1960s? Uh, no, but <laughs> it features it. music most prominently associated with a film from the 80s. Okay, all right. I'm going to check that out after this, yeah. I don't know what to think about that. It's just um, Edgar Wright needed some money and seems to be having trouble getting films made at the moment. Yeah, I've I've still... I can't believe at this point I haven't watched Last Night in Soho. I have hovered over that film so That's many times. That's fucking nuts. You still yeah. haven't seen it? No. It, I don't know what it is. It's just I was really interested, really wanted to see it, and then the response to it was middling, and I just saw went, oh, okay then. Oh, um, Kruger. Do it. It's worth it, yeah? I really like it. I think yeah, you did like it, didn't you? I think you, it's but... a really good commentary on um, misogyny. Excellent. Well, I like it. They're done in a really trying. good, creepy way with death. Excellent. I mean, I'll watch. I'll watch the McDonald's advert first, obviously. And obviously, then, just then yeah. Just, just get into a, an Edgar Wright place. Isn't some McDonald's of that advert. film set in the 1960s as well? Oh yeah. Indeed. Oh, well, I'm in then, aren't I? <laughs> I mean, the the to be fair, the best bits of that film are set in the 1960s. Perfect. The stuff in the 60s, I kind of don't have a problem with. Okay. Thomas and Mackenzie sounding like I'm Thomas and Mackenzie and I'm I'm very very fragile. <laughs> well, she's haunted by like stuff. I am haunted by stuff, but I also come from Dorset, so I don't I don't know about things. But I've come to the big city and I'm very scared. Weirdly, that is a really good impression, actually. You're really <laughs> I, mean to Thomas and Mackenzie right I now. I, 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 that's a really good impression, though. <laughs> no, it's not. I don't think it is, but this is how she sounds in everybody's minds. Um, Gosh. Sorry. So, I mean, it is a little bit mean, but she's bad in that film. So, I hey. fully disagree. And you say the joy, uh, good. Uh, Thomas and Mackenzie, not so much. Sorry. Maybe we need to do a commentary of last night in Soho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you remember that when we had free time and we could do things like that? <laughs> it was about 10 years ago now, so not really. I did a commentary <laughs> of Blair Witch 2 with Miles from Show Show back in the day. A commentary of Blair Witch 2. Yeah. I just we, we did it like Saturday night at 2 in the morning. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, so... It's an interesting movie. Um, no, how long do we have you for? I'm I'm good. I can hang as as long as you have me. I'm I'm right. Oh shit! All right. Well, um, I don't know. I I I've got again multiple films for what what we've been watching. But I'm wondering whether we kind of go around the room a little a little bit. If we uh maybe go around the room and just pass over to someone when you when you feel it's appropriate. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you guys judge the mood in the room. So, uh, but no, go on, hit us. 
what have you been watching lately? Uh, I've I've had a good week. I've I've had I've watched a fair a fair few random things. There's one I'm going to throw back at you though, uh, because I know you watched it as well. Ooh, ooh, um, ooh. <laughs> Skinnamarink. Oh shit. <laughs> so I've had a long time to think about Skinnamarink, um, and my overall takeaway is that when they made this film, the director was thinking if the horizons at the bottom it's interesting if the horizons at the top it's interesting if the horizons in the middle is boring as shit oh that, shit that was the thought process behind the making of Skinnamarink oh shit the scariest movie ever made <laughs> is it the latest one of those oh fuck. it really is yeah and I, do you know what like all right. On a serious note, so I think we watched the trailer for Skinnamarink quite a while ago, and I think we talked about it on WhatsApp a little bit, and I think I might have said that it looked really interesting. I I put the trailer in the WhatsApp and was like, I want to watch the fuck out of this. Same yeah. here, yeah. And yeah, and I think yeah. I'd forgot I'd forgotten about it until you mentioned in in the you'd mentioned it again in the group, and I was like, oh shit, yeah. Um, and then I noticed there was a couple of articles online, scariest movie ever made and stuff like that. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to, everybody's in bed. Uh, wait till everybody's in bed. I'm going to whack it up on the projector, stick the headphones on, really sort of immerse myself in it. Um, and just whatever it is, is whatever it is. Um, I think what I will say is, uh, I think to a degree, some of the comments that people have made about it being, you know, almost like a, a childhood nightmare and all that type of thing. I think there's kind of something in that, but I would say that anybody who says that probably didn't have a very good imagination as a child. Um, my childhood nightmares were, were quite, you know, there was scary shit in my childhood nightmares. Like you, there were monsters and scary things. This feels a little bit more like, almost like the memory of sleepwalking or something um you know what it feels like to sleepwalk um and a two-hour movie about what it feels like to sleepwalk is just not a very interesting concept i don't think um there's something in the mood of it but i think if you're going to create that mood and you're going to um create that sense of tension that sense of tension needs to lead somewhere and i've just don't think this did so the writer director carl edward ball has made a bit of a name for himself online by um he gets people he basically people submit their nightmares to him and then apparently he makes short films and put them puts them on youtube um yeah i mean yeah so carl edward ball if you if you if you're listening first off (laughs) Sorry, not sorry for w- what I'm about to talk about. But also, it is a childhood nightmare. Um, I'm in a bowling alley and I'm bowling and there's a werewolf. And then the werewolf attacks me and I run outside and then the Blues Brothers fly down. And then <laughs> they pick me up yeah. and uh, they, um, they, they sing to me. Um, and then they drop me and then I wake up. And the thing is, right. For a period, I was convinced I had regular recurring nightmares that ended with the Blues Brothers flying in and saving me. 
Okay, can I be Kyle Edward Ball in this scenario? Sure. Okay. Uh, Ian, thank you for submitting your nightmare. I'm really interested in your story. It sounds absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. What I was thinking, I was just going to make a couple of changes. Um, Instead of the... We're we're not going to be able to get the rights to the Blues Brothers, so we're going to take that out of there. Uh, Obviously, we're pretty tight on a budget, so Mm -hmm. the werewolf, I think that's going to have to go. Uh, Mm -hmm. I like the idea of it being set in a bowling alley, but what if all the lights were off in the bowling alley and it was Mm -hmm. 3 o'clock in the morning and there was nobody Mm -hmm. else there? Mm Mm-hmm. Does that sound close to your nightmare? I mean, having watched Skinner Marine, Kyle, I've got one note that I think you'll like. Go on. Uh, if for about 10 minutes there can be a shot of a bowling pin, but you just see like the very top of it right towards the bottom of the frame. Ian? Hmm. We're going to make a movie. <laughs> I mean, so, um, but yeah. Uh, thank you, Kyle. I... Uh, Fort Skinner Marink was dog shit. <laughs> um, and, uh, it, it was so very, very boring. Um, and it felt like Carl Edward Ball was just like, every 25 minutes or so, I'm just going to have a random loud noise or a scream to wake the fucking dickheads who are falling asleep because they don't get me up. Like the Joseph Gordon-Levitt gong, gong in do you know what actually (laughs) fuck me mark this is as if joseph gordon levitt grew up a horror fan and made a film (laughs) it like honestly and the thing is yes okay you got these expectations the most terrifying thing blah 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 the new blair witch blah 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 it it feels to me like um if this is what people are getting scared by now that we truly are done as a society. It made me feel old. I think that's important. That there's a whole. I had to. I went down a Google rabbit hole uh, trying to find out what creepy pasta was because a lot yeah, of the okay. references that people were making to this. I, I, Becky might probably know what creepy pasta is like because. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I think Slenderman is is a reference point it's there, but it's pasta, yeah. Yeah. So it's this idea of like sort of, you know online ideas uh, and so it's urban legends for for the for the for the millennial generation i guess um but yeah i i think that's probably an important thing to point out there as well there might be a generational thing here that uh, maybe this just feels like lo-fi youtube horror and maybe we're just used to getting a little bit more out of our horror and seeing a little bit more and yeah, and hey, you know, I mean, if I don't know, it's it's hard because I it's that whole kind of thing when you get older and like it, as you get older, supposedly you get more small C conservative, uh, like just in general opinions. And I kind of f- almost feel like this is an example of that, uh, like happening with my like horror taste or something like that, where it's like if other people find this scary maybe i just need to go yeah all right fair enough i don't but that's mm. cool but i just so want to go how the fuck do you find this scary but if other people have grown up with like these other experiences and different external stimuli then who ha- who am i to say fuck you for thinking this is scary mm. but at the same time it's not like carl edward ball is 12 years old 
I'm, I'm sure he's not. I don't know how old he is, but I'm sure he's at least in his 20s. And there's at least a little bit of a Venn diagram there of things that people th- think are scary in their early 20s, things that people think are scary in their late 30s, or in Noel's case, um, a, a mid-20s. And um, it, it's, it, I, I'd like to think that there is at least some Venn diagram there. But here, it's like Carl Edward Ball's things that he finds scary okay what random loud noises in a way i suppose everybody finds that scary but then other than that public domain 50s cartoons uh dialogue that sometimes you can't hear and isn't subtitled um um and um it it, sometimes yeah ceilings (laughs) literally the one thing that i found a bit ominous was that random voice going, stick the knife in your eye. Mm. And it was like, shit, all right, shit's going to get real. And then it didn't. No, and I think that's it. There's like, I, you know, it's important to say, like, going into this, I wanted to enjoy it. I wanted, yeah. like, I really, I really wanted to. And even when it started, I kind of went, all right, you know, after, I think you messaged after, like, the first 20 minutes, you're like, is this what it is for the whole thing? I think in that first 20 minutes, I was like, all right, is this what this is going to be? Okay, I'm going to settle into it then. Um, And there was a couple of moments throughout the film. And I'm thinking particularly of the moment where one of the kids goes upstairs and is being told to look under the bed. And there's there's a real buildup of tension there. Um, And I'm like at that point, I was like, oh, right. okay, this is like I could feel like my heart racing a little bit and going, "Okay, this is what I'm here for. But it just sort of it just turns into nothing. Yeah. And and you just sort of get it's like and if you're going to do that, um, the unfortunate thing is as a viewer that uh, the worst thing you can do to me in a horror movie is blue balls me over and over again. Like. I can I can get into the mood and I can get into the atmosphere, but if you're gonna multiple if you're gonna blue balls me multiple times, I'm gonna get pissed off eventually. Uh, uh, yeah, and I mean like by by the end of it, it's it, it's making clear that it's like it's almost like this existential terror that it's trying to uh, portray, like the the idea of being trapped in in this thing. Um, but also, I'll be honest, and you know, you got two young kids yourself. I'm just thinking, if Lottie was in this situation, she She'd wouldn't switch be the de- lights on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is, yeah, 100%. And just like these kids are actually relatively dealing with it in quite a chill way. Hmm. And it's just like, I don't think that Carl Edward Ball has experience of or anybody who helped him with this film has experience of parenting kids of this mm. age. Cause I genuinely don't think it's realistic behavior. And again, this is the thing as like, if I was watching this as like a 20 something or a teen, I wouldn't remember what it was like when I was like six years old necessarily. No. And I, I, I don't have any experience of parenting. So I'm in that sweet spot of, yeah. I don't know what this perspective is, but the idea of it sounds yeah. scary. Maybe that's the difference then. Maybe that's the, you might have nailed it there. Actually, it might be that if you are of a certain age whereby your childhood seems distant enough that you don't remember it properly, but you're not old enough to have children of your own and see what, you know, be reminded what their nightmares and their night terrors are like. Well, 
Charlie will wake up in the night and he'll 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 go, I dreamt this and then this happened and then that happened and then this happened. He doesn't wake up and tell me, well, I dreamt I was walking around the living room for for two hours and there was Lego everywhere and then somebody told me to come upstairs and then I went back downstairs and then everything went quiet. And like, and, you know what I mean? By, there's, there's, there's a level of detail involved with childhood nightmares. And by the end of it, I felt a, just a palpable sense of ennui and a just existential dread. I mean, Charlie doesn't yeah. say that. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, skin him a rink. There you go. Scariest movie yeah. ever made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, I, 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 I think it's dog shit, but at the same time, it gave, I don't know, it just gave me a bit of an insight into if I don't find it scary, but weirdly enough, people who are like 10, 15 years mm. younger than me do find it scary. Fair enough. It's also another one of those films that, you know, and again, thinking of Becky again, like I'd be interested to, th- I'd be interested to yes. know what other horror fans think of it because I didn't like it, but. I'd be interested to I'd be interested to know if other people have completely different uh, because I clearly you know other people are having completely different opinions of it. Hmm. You give it a watch. You want to yeah. watch it with me? Yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah, we'll report back next week. There we go. I look forward to that. <laughs> I've tried not to listen too much, so I didn't spoil it myself. You know, when you like hum in your head. Good, good. <laughs> There's Lego. Sorry. <laughs> There's not a lot to spoil, but... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, no, uh, anything else you, you felt naturally inclined to talk about at this point? I'm letting things flow. Uh, I mentioned... I watched a film called Pie Whack It, which was on Shudder, which is... Pie Whack It! Pie Whack It. Right, um, great name. It's a sort of Shudder, uh, relatively low-budget uh, horror movie set in uh, in the woods. Um, a girl basically is having difficulty with her mother after her father died, and she's interested in the occult and heavy metal music, which, you know, obviously corrupts the youth. Um <laughs> And then, yeah, she kind of sort of does a curse and it all sort of starts to go wrong from there. It's okay. It's decent. Um, I watched a film called Zero Fucks Given based purely on the title, I'll be honest. (laughs) Um, And it's kind of a slice of life thing about a woman who is an airline pilot trying to uh, sorry, not an airline pilot, an airline hostess uh, trying to get on with her life. Um, And do you know what not an awful lot happens in the film but the lead actress is so interesting that it makes it really worth watching um it's basically just the story of a woman dealing with her job and dealing with the stresses of her life in relation to that job um and and as i say it's it's kind of the central performance that keeps you that keeps you going and keeps you keeps you you plodding through it uh, it's on movie uh movie looks great on my projector for some reason so i i, I do keep tapping up movie every now and again as well uh definitely worth a watch um and the final one i'll mention i'll watch the unbearable weight of massive talent that was fun uh but i won't talk about <laughs> that because you've probably talked about that anyway no um, you thought it was good though yeah yeah, yeah it's great I, I think like i was the only thing i was slightly disappointed about was the wild at heart nick cage is in it but i kind of could have done with a couple more cameos 
yeah it would have been nice to see cameron poe in there and like a couple of and like <laughs> a couple of other sort of random uh, random nick cage performances thrown in there but it was he's good fun and um uh what's he called um pedro pascal pedro pascal there we go uh pedro pascal's great in it he's still he remains one of the most interesting faces in hollywood at the moment like just that sort of you know we don't he's a handsome man but he's kind of sort of ugly as well and we yeah kinda it's don't, weird isn't it yeah you have your bardem theory yeah it's like yeah. It's, 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 there's, something, there's something wrong there like it's like his, his face, face is, is just... a little bit scrunched yeah, yeah. And I feel like we don't have enough, like, you know, in the 1950s and 60s and 70s, those actors were ten a penny. Whereas nowadays, mm. a, a, an actor... Everyone's just are, pretty, aren't they? Everyone's attractive jobs. now. Yeah, mm. whereas, you know, Pedro, Pedro Pascal, Pascal is very attractive. Yeah. But there's something going on in the face that makes him more interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed him. And, and he also, he, he's very good at comedy. So so that's that's great. And he gets to do that, do that a lot in this. I absolutely fucking loved Unbearable Weight. Yeah. I rewatch that. I can't believe it took me this long as well. It's another one of those. But um, yeah. final one from me um, is a movie I mentioned in the chat yesterday when I watched it. Um, it's the latest um, Blumhouse, Peacock, kind of lower budget uh, Blumhouse thing. Uh, <laughs> went up on Peacock this week, I think. It's called Sick. Um, and it's written by Kevin, written and produced by Kevin Williamson, um, of Scream. And I, I know what you did last summer and, and a bunch of others and, oh my God, can you tell? Um, and it's just this. So basically it's set against the backdrop of COVID, um, some really nice stuff at the beginning, which, uh, reminds if this is going to sound weird but it sort of reminds you of the things that you'd forgotten about about that time so just like little things like um you know arrows on the floor in 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 supermarkets <laughs> yeah. and just people being a little bit shitty with you with other people about like not wearing masks um people being like overly cautious with like hand gel and stuff there's just these little moments in that first half hour that really sort of remind you of that time and set things up nicely um but from there it ends up as two teenage girls go to a house in the woods a big log cabin and then you sort of get into um scream i know what you did last summer kind of territory um and yeah it's it's visually it reminds it reminds you a lot of scream tonally there's a lot of scream and post scream stuff in there um and then the way the film contextualizes itself later with sort of you know giving giving the killer a reason to do what that what the killer is doing is is also kind of screamish um and honestly i watched it and i was like oh, yeah this is a three star and then by the by the end of the credits as I was sort of writing something up on, on Letterboxd, I was like, you know what, actually, that was a four star. That was, that was, I had a very good time with that. Um, it's, it's, it's less than 90 minutes as well. I think it's, I think it's like, um, let me have a look. I uh, can't remember what the runtime is, but I think it's sort of like 83. Yeah. 83. Nice and tight. It looks good. <laughs> um, it's a lot of fun. It's got an ending that ties itself up quite nicely definite recommend yeah interesting so that's it for me that sounds really good actually oh, that, honestly that's it. and that's it it no uh that's it mate that's it oh okay 
All right. Um, well, I'll t- I t- I tell you what, I've got um, I've got I've got a fair few things this week. So I'm thinking maybe I'll do a few and then hand over. Um, sure. I've got in, one. OK, so in the chat, I just mentioned something that maybe I'll hand over on. If that makes sense. Uh, maybe it doesn't. So I'm just going to go with it. Yep. Nope. So. OK, cool. So uh, I. Sorry, those are noises. Um, so actually, I will start with a film that. So in my what do I need to watch for the rest of this year? I scour people's lists. One of the lists that I scoured was Noel Mellers. Oh, and in that list, I saw a film called Meet Cute. Yay. So Meet Cute is a um, Peacock original in the US, Amazon Prime original in the UK, uh, which is where I found this. So Donna and I were looking for something to watch the other night. And I was like trawling through. I was like, fuck. That's on Amazon Prime. Right. OK, Don, here's the synopsis. And she was like, yep, go on then. So uh, meet you. It's Kaylee Cuoco and Pete Davidson. And um um, the letterboxed synopsis actually deals with it quite well. A wildly inventive deconstruct- deconstruction of the romantic comedy built around the question, what would you do if you could travel to your loved one's past, heal their traumas, fix their problems and change them into the perfect partner? Mm. So, which I think is actually a bit more of an insight into the film than the trailer is. The trailer basically makes it as a... Kaylee Cuoco is kind of almost like stuck in a Groundhog Day loop uh, yes. where she's just having the per- like she needs to have the perfect date with Pete Davidson. The film. Like gets pretty fucking deep. And is. Like all about like, why is she so fixated on having the perfect date? Um, and exploring like th- that point and it's like the opening the opening of the film is like the credits playing while it's like her walking along and like looks on her face and those looks on her face are kind of informed by what comes later on and it it, it it's a really fucking like at times genuinely funny but what i really got out of it was just like this melancholy vibe like it's it, fe- it feels like a romantic comedy for people who would just really like just have anxiety. And uh, it feels like it's saying a lot about modern dating as well. <laughs> and, do you know? Yeah, this like Donna like said like um, afterwards and like talk, talking about something else, but reference this. It's just like modern dating looks fucked up just mm. terrifying like like and it, it but yeah it, it it is absolutely that yeah and i i like kaylee cuoco like she had a bit of a hit with the flight assistant uh or the flight attendant it's done a couple of seasons and she's had this and it's like obviously she came to fame for the big bang theory probably has enough money to live the rest of her life very happily um but i like that she's doing things like this and the flight attendant and I kind of wish that she was a bigger star than she is because I think the dramatic moments in this, she fucking nails. And also 
Pete Davidson's really good in this, and he's not just funny no. on it on it Pete Davidson all the time. Sorry, no, go on, mate. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I was just going to say like that. I think, you know, it sounds like you went into this film for the same reasons that I went into it, where I was a bit like, okay, this is on Prime. It's got Kaylee Cuoco in. I like Kaylee Cuoco. It's got Pete Davidson in. I like that. I like Pete Davidson. This is a um, time loop rom-com. This is going to be fun. I'm going to have a nice time. And it starts off very funny. And you're enjoying Pete Davidson and the, 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 the stuff that's happening with her. And you know there's something going on there. And then the change happened like there's a certain point where you know a few dates in there's a change happened and you sort of go oh shit no this is about control this is about like her inability to control him and the whole thing about modern dating as well i think is a really interesting subtext to it where it's like the concept of being in the dating game and meeting the same person over and over again but them not being you know, you you can't change, you can't shape them to be the the thing that you want. So you just go on another date and try and try and shape the date. Um, and I think that would be very very interesting if the gender roles were reversed, but it'd also be a little bit weird and creepy. It's almost more interesting the fact that you see it with the gender roles being what they are, where it's Kaylee Kuoko's character who is looking for control. Um, and I think there's a moment, I think it's on the Staten Island ferry or something where like, there's a look on Pete Davidson's face and you cannot like, you know, Pete Davidson starts the film as Pete Davidson, but at some point halfway through, he becomes this almost like a straight guy, but like, there's a look on his face at a certain point and he looks tired and exhausted and it's like oh fuck no this is this is actually really kind of brutal is this is this kind of before the kind of like the sequence of her repeating on the bridge i think it is yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. so it's just before that and it's just like i think at that point i was like fuck me this film is actually about so much more Mm -hmm. than what it's selling itself as and i think i can't remember what i put it as but it's in my top 15 of the year it's something like 12 or something like that but just a real surprise and and just very entertaining, but also gives you a lot more than it's than you probably expecting. And it's it's annoying in a way because it's like it feels like if it didn't debut directly on Peacock in the US and it had a bit more of attention towards it, I think a lot more people would be talking about it. Yeah. Um. It it it, it feels like a rom com. But the kind of rom-com drama, because the con does disappear um, for for people like today. It feels like something that younger millennials and Gen Z would vibe with. Mm. So my list. Yeah, honestly, like it was just interesting. And I never thought I was going to say that about that film. Mm. I will rec- I will recommend that I'll recommend the hell out of this film to anybody who'll listen. Honestly, it's 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 one of those films. I think it surprises me a lot that you know I say this as somebody who's not really on social anymore, but like it surprises me that I've not heard more people talking about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I very much agree. Uh, yeah, meet you. Bit of a banger. 
Um, okay, I uh, rewatched um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because uh, I, I like uh, so I'm doing a little, just a tiny couple films prep before Babylon. So I thought, you know, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie about Hollywood. Um, just uh, hey, it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's insanely entertaining. Um, I think the fact that it's quite episodic in nature, I think maybe helps that runtime go down a bit smoother um you know it, it's it, there, there, there's a 10 minute section here there's a 15 minute section there there's a 20 minute section there and it kind of it, it just it does break it up but super super entertaining um DiCaprio is great I I can kind of see why Brad Pitt especially considering he'd never won an Oscar won an Oscar for it um but also, I mean, like Margaret Qualley, like is is or Qualley is very very good in that role. Um, Robbie, I mean, I, I was kind of surprised with Margot Robbie. I forgot how little she actually is in the. Fi- Sorry, excuse me, in the film. You know, she basically disappears for the last third. Um, but I like that they spend time with her to kind of go. This was Sharon Tate, and I I know the film. Tarantino got shit from the Bruce Lee estate about the portrayal of Bruce Lee. I I do like though how much he's like Sharon Tate was cool and she was fun and she really enjoyed people enjoying her work. I, I you know it is a bit of a, cele- a celebration of Sharon Tate, um, and I I I enjoy that immensely. It 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 just it's a very 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 satisfying film that we've spoken about a lot on on the show and it just absolutely is still the same um last thing before i hand over and it's it's not a film um but and bex i'm gonna say it i've slightly changed my mind on it and i think that maybe let's just check in on how it's going as the series unfolds i think i'm gonna do it uh were the last you, were of you us. not going to do it no, I wasn't. I was going to... Seriously? Yep. That's mind-blowing to me as someone that loves the... You are someone that loves the game. And uh, yeah. for you to, so, like... Wow, sorry, I, didn't, I didn't know that. When when you sent that message today, I, I didn't... I, I thought... I thought you just meant... I can't remember what you said exactly, but I thought you were meaning that, like, you'd be more in if it was a film, but you were still going to do the series, but... Uh, yeah, no, no, I was... I, I, so we're talking about The Last of Us, just to be, cl- uh, just to be clear. And, oh, yeah, um, we haven't said that, had we? <laughs> yeah, so... Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd watched it, and I was like, yeah, I, I don't really need this in my life. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so let's... Let, you know, we've talked about Twin Peaks The Return on the show, which was film-related, um, but you know it, it's a, a a joint Bex and I production uh, on 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 this part of the show. So um, yeah, Last of Us episode one, uh, obviously based on the video game. Um, no, you've you've not watched this, have you? No, I've been in two minds about it. Like on the one, like so when you say that you were thinking about not bothering, is that stress levels? Uh, it, it's not the quality of the show. Okay, I, I've been in two minds again. Um, it is Pedro Pascal, isn't it? Is it? it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. Please, um, please watch it. No, I'd love to know what you think. I might do because the thing is, is I was, <laughs> I think you know, in the back of my mind, I've always wanted to play The Last of Us. So when I heard there was a series, I was like, oh, well, I'll play the game first. But realistically, 
it's probably not going to happen for many many years <laughs> so it's, to be fair it's so faithful yeah. that it's essentially like passively watching someone play the game okay but okay. it and it's like in the bits where it's not faithful it's just it adding. feels it, it feels like either adding or it makes sense why they didn't mm. dot 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 so it, like yeah. just as a brief example of that in the film in the show it's uh, no sorry in the game it's spores so it, it like oh. oftentimes in the game you're wandering around place, places and there's like these like dust particles around and they got these gas masks on right okay in the film uh, sorry in the tv show it appears to be more like some sort of tendrousy fungal thing that infects people and then the people spread it through like through groves in their mouths are we thinking bex i don't think it's been fully explained yet but the old lady yeah. with the thing in her mouth yeah she, she's got like um like tentacle type things coming out of her mouth aren't she yeah 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 so it, it's and that feels more like okay it's a tv show we're gonna go with that and not just spores mm. um i think so, that'll get explained better as we go through i think we might still get yeah. some spores because they had that moldy man line well, didn't they yes even though apparently i i like was that actually not apparently the the creatives were interviewed and they basically said they didn't want to have people just like with masks on talking to uh, each yeah, other yeah, through yeah. scenes, which kind of makes sense. But also, mm. apparently, 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 Pedro Pascal was just like, yeah, can we do something where I'm not doing a show where I've got a mask on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, Look like, at my pretty but not not really pretty face. We don't need this. The world mask needs to again. see my ugly but sort of <laughs> handsome face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, but apparently that was actually some sort of like, could we dot, dot, dot. And it, I, I, I think, it, you know, I actually think it makes sense because you would have people just going, like through multiple scenes in in it so you know i i kind of get it um do you you know one bit i really did love just while i remember um there's a bit where they you know the bit where in the game you have to push like a bookcase aside to get into a passageway and then it takes them to the other part of town when they're chasing oh where they they first meet ellie and it's like right fucking move the book oh no 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 but before they first yeah sorry yeah I when, they're, when they're looking sorry. for robert and they have to go from one building yeah, to yeah, another yeah, yeah. yeah um it's different in this isn't it and, but then but they go into a building to then find a hole and cl- climb up between the walls or something don't they but when they get in through the door initially and they close the door behind them they both hunker down and like start strapping stuff in their bags and in yeah. the game if you need to do anything he does that you doesn't he down. like yeah, he hunkers yeah, yeah. down and gets like his first aid kit out or whatever I mean, no, I mean, yeah, it's. I loved that little touch. It was, it was brilliant. They've got those nods, and it's like mm-hmm. the image at the end of the first episode. If you, if you played the game, you know what that is. If you've watched the TV show, it's like shit. That's an interesting image. Mm. You know, it kind of works on both levels there. So it's, um, yeah. This, so this first episode, eighty minutes long, um, was supposed to be two episodes. Uh, but apparently the first episode, I don't think there's much of a spoiler without context. The first episode was going to end with Joel throwing the thing in the fire. Is it a fire or is it a bin? There is a thing. There is a body that he throws in a bin. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just going to end there. When he's when they're burning the bodies and she's yes. like, and it's the little yeah. boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it was going to end there. And I, I, I listened to the 
so this show has a podcast and i listen oh. to the podcast and if bex if you haven't listened to it it's troy baker interviewing um neil Druckmann and craig mazin okay so it, it's really really good actually um so troy baker the guy Is who played john the last of in us the game uh the last of us podcast yeah it's like an hbo max podcast um okay. they, and, didn't, uh, they, they didn't go with the cast of us <laughs> oh, come on that would have been good things um but uh yeah okay. so it, it's um yeah it's good and it, they were basically saying if we cut it there as like two episodes you basically wouldn't have met ellie and the end of the first episode would have just been like a really traumatic downer yeah well shit that that's how it's gonna go is it so absolutely understand but yeah look first episode in the first half hour of the show uh, can we talk read. about the first five minutes of the show before we do that? Oh, I, oh I thought wow, that was we, great. we're going deep. All right, yeah. So the first five minutes of the show is something that is not in the game at all no. and is a rework. Basically, explains a reworking of what has caused the whole thing. Yeah, because I don't think in the game you ever you ever really get an explanation of why did this happen all of a sudden, do you? No. It's just a. It, you just plant it in the middle of the action and off you go kind of thing. And, and do you know what loads of gamers are going to like? Because mm. gamers are really left wing and liberal. They're famously liberal <laughs> and like everything liberal. Do you mm-hmm. know what's going to co- what's caused it all in the TV show? Climate change, baby. <laughs> but that's so clever. It's just like it makes oh, sense. Yeah, the way they explain fine. it makes yeah, perfect yeah. sense. I, I loved that they added that first bit. It was like when I messaged to say that it started off strong and sent you a Rick and Morty gift, that that was all I had watched at that point. And I was just like, right, yeah. fuck yes. So if they're changing things, they're changing them well. I like this. Yeah, so you got that. And then the theme, uh, the title sequence has the theme tune from the original, uh, from the game, yeah. which fucking rules. Yes. Um, and, and, and then... And the, the graphics are the same as well, aren't they? It's, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then the, the, the next 25 minutes or so is um, uh, basically the first 10 minutes of the game. Mm. But they they kind of flesh things out a little bit more. Won't won't spoiler it. Um, but the the girl who plays Sarah is Tandy Newton's daughter. Is it? So there was a part of me that was like. Yeah, fair enough when the thing happens <laughs> <laughs> wow um but also oh poor I thought Joel. she yeah i thought she was a really good sarah yeah she was she was i thought that that the how how faithfully that stuck to stuff that was in the game but also like you say fleshed it out a little bit so you see what they're doing when they're not, I mean, the, the Sarah bit in the game is essentially like a controls tutorial, isn't it? It's like uh-huh. yeah, teaches yeah. you how to walk around and look around and things like how this. How to but, die. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, obviously, so for the for the TV show, they, they've they've had to pad it out and give her a little bit more character, even though it's gutting when she dies in the game anyway. Um, but um, I can't remember where I was going with that. But no, I mean, like, the, you know, you've got the so like in the game, the the next door neighbor like comes mm. in and attacks at one point. You get a bit more context with the next door neighbors. There's a fucking terrific bit where 
the girl is in the for in the foreground. There's a um, yeah. woman, like basically a woman who cannot move in the background, suddenly starts jerking about, mm, mm. and like it's like some proper fucking horror shit. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, and it 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 just it plays that out really, really well. But yeah, that, that the bit where they're escaping in the truck. It's basically beat for beat from the game, isn't it? I mean, shit, you've even got the the perspective. Of, it's like it's behind her looking in the back seat, looking at them in the front seat, which is exactly what it does in the game. Yeah, and in the game, you can move from, from window to window and look at different things, can't you? And she does that in the mm. TV show. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, 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 I feel like... I kind of almost feel like maybe we need to do a bit of a deep dive um, like in another show. And, and just like really, really get into it. I don't know, but um, mm. oh, I will, say, I I will say, say honestly, sorry. honestly, I, 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 some, I'm, I'm probably gonna dive. Like I probably will bite on this. On. Uh, I'd happily listen to a a, a a section of the show that was dedicated to this every single week. So just was getting giddy about the last of us. Yeah, because you'll <laughs> give the game, you'll give the game context that I will never get, which is good. Mm. Um, one question though, because I was literally asked this today, because I asked a room full of students if they'd watched it and what their opinion was, because I literally <laughs> have been on the on the fence about it. Um, and the gamer in the room, I think, um, asked me, is it all based on game one, or are they blending it all together and just seeing where it goes? Um, so because I'm aware that something happens at the beginning of game two, it it's... changes everything. Apparently, see, so there are little Easter eggs uh, mm. to things that they reference in part two, but not in terms of plot. So, like, there's a DV, there's a DVD that Sarah borrows, which is that that film is then talked about in part two. Mm. Um, but in terms of actual plot, so like something, something in Viper two, Bex. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, so. Um, but in terms of the actual plot and whatnot, no. Apparently, this season is the game and the add-on for the game called Left Behind. Oh, it's good. It's Left Behind as well. Yeah, Get Left Behind is ace. But like part two, the thing is, it's going to be interesting because part two happens like four years later, and I almost <laughs> feel like could season two do some bridging stuff that the game has never done. Like the, yeah, the gap between the, the yeah, yeah. Let them all grow up a bit. That would be that would that would be awesome. And also, quite frankly, mm. if they were filming next year, I don't think Bella Ramsey would look old enough. No, God no. Well, if you want to get multiple seasons out of it as well, if you think about how long The Walking Dead went for, and it's, it's, yeah, yeah, you know that that will be on their minds to eke it out a little bit more. I would have thought. Yeah. Well, there is there is scope to do that as well because, like, you know, it it's a bit of a jump between game one and game two. It, there is a bit of like, hang on, how did they get from that point to this? You know, it would be nice to have that filled in. Yeah, apps. I I I, I honestly, I think they're going to do that. Mm, that would be good. Because also, uh, spoiler alert for The Last of Us Part Two. If they want to have Pedro Pascal in multiple seasons, or at least in 
multiple bits of multiple seasons yeah, that they're, they're going to want him to do it be in yeah. a season two. Oh, he's so, so good as Joel. It's like, all the casting just great, seems actually. bang on as yeah. well. Um, I was a what, bit worried I, about Bella Ramsey, but she's she's got the attitude down. They apparently just to sorry, it, it, they have sorry. I don't want to piss anybody off. Okay. I don't that, know who. That's how they from. identify. Uh, Bella Ramsey Bella identifies Ramsey. as they. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't know whether you were referring to Pedro no. Pascal or Bella no, Ramsey. No, no, yeah, it, yeah. Um, I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't just doing that to be a No, 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 um, no, no. But yeah, uh, like Marlene, the casting for Marlene's really good. Tess Marlene? is really good. And Marlene. Uh, t- <laughs> I've got to say, Tess, right? So it's Anna Torv from mm. Fringe and Mindhunter. Um, uh, y- y- yes, I would also do anything that she says. <laughs> Big milf energy. Yeah. Uh, like massive, yeah. like it, like post-apocalyptic. Yeah, fine, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do to help you out? Uh, vibes <laughs> from her. Yes, sorry. Well, that's that's the thing on 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 an aesthetic level. She's nothing like Tess, but it's not just no. about finding people that fucking look like the people in the games. It's people that can embody the characters, and I think all the ones that they've cast do that really, really well. And I mean, Marlene is Marlene from The Last of Us. It's the same actress. Is it that does the voice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, which is which is ace. But I that's not to take away from your point. They've gone for people who can embody the characters, not just look like the characters. Like Bella Ramsey doesn't really look like anything Ellie. like Ellie. No. Um, it, 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 Pedro She's Pascal does. <laughs> yeah, Pedro Pascal doesn't look like Joel. Not miles away be- though. Yeah, it's not miles away, but he doesn't look like him. He's beardy. <laughs> yeah, he's beardy and a bit his, gruff. <laughs> and his his face is squashed. Squish, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure about Gabrielle Luna as Tommy, but we've not spent much he's time with him He's got the voice yet. down. He's mm. got the voice down. Mm. And um, he's he's Mike. He's Mike's boy. I I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I will say is he's not come into it yet, but it, casting on an aesthetic level, they have got Bill's casting completely 100% right. If you're going for look, is that Offerman? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel uh, like if they were um, going if they were going for luck with this uh Joel cat. Uh, what's the guy called from Game of Thrones? He looks like Pedro him. Pascal. No, 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 the guy from no, <laughs> close. Well, he's uh, in Game of Thrones, isn't he? The guy the guy from Game of Thrones who plays the brother who was shagging his sister. Oh what's shit, Nikolai Koldo. Yeah, what, what, Nikolai Costa-Waldo, yeah. Visually he would have worked. He looks a lot like Tommy looks in the game. He does. Oh, shit, he does. Mm. I've remembered what I was going to say earlier when I lost my thread. So that's when we were talking about the first section and how, like, it's the first 10 minutes of the game, but it's the first, like, half hour of the show. If they're going to be doing that, it's... When you sent that message through the other day, Mark and I had a lengthy discussion about whether it would be better as a movie or a TV series... It's a big game, and you can't. I don't think you can fit all of what what this can do in a movie. So Drugman references in that podcast I talked about that they were going to do it as a movie, and it was going to be Screen Gems, like the Sony Mm. kind of genre division doing it. And it's like, no, you 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 actually can't. I can't. I Mm. don't know 
what The Last of Us looks like as a two-hour film. No, I don't think this condenses. And the thing is as well, like, I like that it's a really long game because I like spending time in in that world doing bits and bats and try to fucking shoot a deer and like that whole bit in the town is is really it's you know it's it's meaty it's a meaty section of the game and it's a long section of the game but I, I don't want it to be a shorter game and get through the story because I'm enjoying playing the game and being in the world and I and I kind of feel like the same way about the um the the tv show I want to spend as much time with these characters in this world doing this thing for as long as possible that's it <laughs> shit yeah all right um no uh Noel's just sent a screenshot of tommy a very high res screenshot and yes that is gerard butler <laughs> um but yeah it's um sent to what so what Oh, sorry, it's in the chat, but he's right. It is a very high-res image, so you'll probably have to download it and check it out tomorrow. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, we'll, um, we'll we'll talk about episode two next week, but it's, episode two is directed by Neil Druckmann. Mm. I'm really looking forward to seeing what the guy who basically created The Last of Us mm. can do with directing a TV show of The Last of Us. The fact um, that he's so heavily involved gives me great faith in this show, to be honest. Absolutely. Co-showrunner you know yeah. like he's he's absolutely all over it and that that's 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 terrific yeah no i i, I just actually yeah i think g- given that you are you are slightly more predisposed to tv than i am anyway mm. i feel i feel yeah. like this is like really really good shit for you I've got room at the moment. I'm kind of in a horror groove. I, there's a yeah. I, I, it feels like a. It feels like a. It feels like a win for me. This yeah. Yeah, definitely. Did you watch the end of the credits, Ian? No. Ah, uh, there's like a bit of a what to expect from this season section at the end of the credits. Oh fuck! Really? Oh. Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll watch that on the old Now TV. And um, I'll w- watch the end of the credits. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Okay, so uh, yeah, so I will. <laughs> nice. Oh, I'm glad. Oh, listen to her. It's nice. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, Bex, what have you been watching? Um, okay, so the only film that I watched on my own um, was the 1987 Stephen Dorff movie, The Gate. Love it. <laughs> Love it. So. They they were talking about this the other day on the um on the Kingcast that I listened to. I can't remember. Becky Bingo. In what context? <laughs> well, I'm not listening to this week's because they're doing one that was never a book. What the fuck is the point in that? I don't know. No. Um. Anyway, they were talking about it, and I was like, I like Stephen Dorff. That sounds like an interesting film, demons and shit. I'll give it a watch. Never seen it before. Um. And then watched the trailer, and it's 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 kind of like one of those. Kind of like one of those 19, 1980s kids movies that are a bit too scary, really, probably for if they came out now. Mm. Um, but yeah, the the trailer, the the effects that were kind of on display, I was like, this looks like some real practical skill has gone into making this movie. Um, and there's like little tiny weird demons that look like they're made out of clay. Um, and it's like there's a bit where a man falls over and he he hits the floor and like splits off into loads of these little demons and they all yep. run away <laughs> it's big joe it's big joe dante vibes as well yeah definitely yeah. yeah yeah um yeah it's and it's little tiny baby Stephen dorf 
why does Stephen Dorff not have a neck in this movie, though? <laughs> his head's, like, right on top of his shoulders. It's really fucking... He has a neck now, doesn't he? Maybe he had to grow into his neck. Anyway, um, yeah, so standard premise. Parents go away for a few days and leave the older sister... The older sibling and the younger sibling, whichever way around it is, for the premise. In this case, older sister, uh, younger brother... Um, alone because the older sisters god I'm old enough to look after myself mum so did that whole bit and then they um, find a geode buried in a hole in the back garden and crack it open and um, Stephen Dorff bleeds a bit near it the geode has made some weird message come up on like one of those magnetic things you used to be able to write on an etch-a-sketch kind of like an etch-a-sketch but like more basic than that they used to have one and you used to be able to write on it with like coins and stuff. Kind of yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Anyway, um, so yeah, so it, it's it's made some weird message on this, and then him and his 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 bespectacled friend read it out because obviously you do that because you don't realise that it's an ancient text from the Book of Death or whatever it is, um, and accidentally summon demons. Don't know it. Dagnam it. Um, and then the, the bespectacle friend realises from a book, uh, like a record sleeve from a satanic metal band that he's been listening to. That, oh, yeah, he's the metal kid, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, it realises that, oh, my God, this is the book that they're referencing in their lyrics. And if you play the record backwards, it tells you how to trap the demon again. So it's all about that, it's really. It's the most 1987 movie ever. It's <laughs> yeah, great. it really is. <laughs> if I'd known about this prior to Isabel being like a thing, I would have definitely shown her this. This is like right in the kind of vibes of like the hole and stuff like that yeah. as well. Scary enough to just be like good scary, but not too scary. So this was one of this. I actually, uh, before Adventures in VHS, yeah. don't think I covered this in the book, but like... This was one of the films that I wrote about for Eat Sleep Live Film in the Rentals Revisited series because it was <laughs> one of those it was one of those movies that I rented on VHS when I was what was this nineteen eighty seven so mm. I would have been like nine or ten years old. Mm. I, I was nine or ten years old in nineteen eighty seven. I was into horror movies. I was into sort of heavy metal and rock music. This film <laughs> ticking a lot hit, of boxes then. This film hit me at the sweetest possible time. <laughs> so it was absolutely custom designed for me. And and I think it's it's probably a film that some people might watch now and not get as much out of. Yeah. Uh but yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in here. And, and like I say, big Joe Dante vibes. Very, very, very much so, yeah. I think if you're if you're an eighties kid, these films just hit different, don't they? Yeah, yeah. There's so yeah. much nostalgia with them. Whereas I don't think I think if I if I tried to show eighteen year old Isabel this, she'd she'd really fucking hate it. Well, I don't even know how it was like sold at the time. Like I think it was was it, it probably would have been a fifteen. Whereas it sort of I, I I don't think it was an eighteen. I'd have to check, but like it it, uh, it probably would have been released as a fifteen. But really, mm. you kind of want to be watching this at thirteen, fourteen. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of things are 15s and 18s. They slip through, don't they? That's what yeah. makes them more fun. It's clandestine to watch these things that you really shouldn't be watching. Well, and, that, and that's it. And there's, it, it's rare that that happens now. And going back to Joe Dante and, and the most obvious comparison with, with this film, mm. I would not show Charlie the whole. Like, there's, there's moments in that that are terrifying. The bathroom uh, moment. 
yeah. like the sequence. Yeah, it's just yeah, no, absolutely. Like how, how old? How old is he? At Charlie, how old are you, mate? Nine. You're nine years old. Yeah. Yeah, nine's um, maybe a, maybe nine's maybe a touch young for the whole. That's yeah. Yeah, the, we're talking about the same the whole out with the ghost girl. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna say good night to Charlie now. Uh, just some friends. Do you want to say hello? Uh, say, say hello to Mark and Becky and uh, Hi, Ian. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Um, all right. Night, mate. Say pros. No, no. Close the door. Don't give your mum a hard time. That's why I always <laughs> tell Lottie, uh, Lottie. Yeah. Yeah, I have to do that as well. <laughs> yeah, I reckon I reckon eleven upwards is is probably yeah. about right. Yeah. Especially what? for today's kids, because they're, they're just a bit weird. Yeah, but she's a freak kid and she loved horror. No, not the hall. I don't think we did. Yeah, we did. Did we? Yeah. We sat irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah, that is a bit irresponsible. It came out in 2010. Yeah, we didn't show her it on release. Yeah. No, she'd have been No, we did. No, we, we wouldn't have taken it to the fucking cinema. No, we did. Too, we came out in 2009 and I think I, and I got it on DVD when it came out and we showed her it. Yeah. The thing, the thing, we were talking about this recently because I think sometimes it's not the content, it's the context. Yeah. And like I was talking, I think I was talking to you about it, Ian, about like I want to show, I'm going to show Charlie Shaun of the Dead because kids are used to seeing zombies nowadays, and the zombie stuff in there, apart from the kill at the end, which involves a little bit of guts. The rest of the tone of the film, yeah, there's some swears in there, yeah, there's a little bit of blood in there, but the tone of the film is what's important, I think. I think he could handle that film quite easily. Mm. Did you did you listen to the show that we did just after like Christmas when Isabel was back and I said that um, we watched The Brothers Grimm while she was back and she was oh, telling me yeah. about how much it scared her as a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was weird. That probably showed her that a bit too young. That came out in 2005. But you never know what it is that's going to freak kids out anyway. Like, the, yeah. I think sometimes the stuff that you think is going to freak them out really doesn't. doesn't. And and then it's the stuff that you're not expecting that does. Well, that's it. Like, with Brothers Grimm, the bit that had really freaked her out and that stuck with her was... Have you seen it? I have, but it was a really long time ago, yeah. There's a bit with a boy and he stood next to a well and a blob of mud comes up out of the well and gets on him and he turns to mud. Yeah. Um, and he's just, like, walking around squelching. That... Are stuck with her and really freaked her out. The bit with the fucking dead Monica Bellucci witch in the tower coming yeah. back to life and trying to kill people, she's fine with that. Yeah, but again, like the the, the con- content versus context thing. Mm. Mm. Uh, Charlie's been watching. Uh, again, I've mentioned this elsewhere, but Charlie's been obsessed with uh, a Channel Five TV series called Police Interceptors. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's been watching a lot of it, and it's basically about you know coppers chasing down. Uh, people in cars who, who've got cars full of drugs and stuff like that. But nice. because he's been enjoying that so much, I've been like, all right, well, we'll download the My5 app on the TV. I'll pollute my TV with the, the My5 app. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, you can start watching that. It does come up with a disclaimer at the beginning that says, um, are you over 16? But I'm like, well, I know what he's watching. He's watching Police mm. Interceptors, and he's asking the right questions about it, so it's fine. Mm. However, you're your own kid, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. However, what I didn't consider was mm. that uh, Channel 5 is an ad-based company, and the ads that he would be served 
during the breaks of police interceptors would include yeah. Mathrigan. So <sighs> now he's like, he's very aware of Mathrigan. And because he's seen the TV spots and the tra- trailers from Mathrigan, he's freaked out by the idea of her. So oh. when I mentioned that I was going to see it, he was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I don't like, I don't like it. And I explained to him the next day, I was like, actually, if you watch the whole film, I'm not going to play it for you, but if you watch the whole film, you'd see it's kind of silly and kind of daft. Yeah. But but the marketing isn't that. The marketing, as mm. we discussed earlier today, is selling reading. a very different thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, it's content versus context, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. But, yeah, absolutely love the gift. Great, great stuff. What did you think about the gate, though? Oh, the gate. <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay. <laughs> um yeah that's 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 probably gonna go into my Christmas rotation for next year when Isabel's back I'll be like come on watch this <laughs> batshit thing <laughs> um yeah so that's the only one that I watched on my own I've been doing a lot of Stephen King reading this week because I wanted to finish the stand finally because I've been reading it a while now and move on to um the Batman books so that's my next move I have finished the stand, by the way. You've you may it. have noticed that it is no longer on the table with a bookmark. It is no longer on the table with a bookmark in it, yeah. It has lived there for the last few weeks. Oh, it's a it's a big old book, is the stand. It's a chunky bastard. It is a chunky bastard. You could kill someone with that book, I'm sure. Yes. Should we do the one we've watched together? Yeah, can do. Uh, so the only film we watched together this week was Cape Fear. Yeah. Randomly. It's Scorsese. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I, I don't know. I, I just I, I just had a thing when I went, I'm just watching Cape Fear. Yeah. I don't know why. I think it is one of those ones that, like, you've got to be in the mood for it, but once you get the Cape Fear bug, you really want to watch it. Because I asked you a few months ago, didn't I? Do you fancy really watching Cape Fear at some point? And you're like, don't know. And then obviously that's wheedled its way into your brain until you were ready. Yeah. Ready. And then I was ready for it. Ready for it. Yeah. Jessica Lang's struck in herself. Not in a sexy way, like that bit where she's Wondering. talking to him and she's just like stroking her arms and her face and stuff. Yeah. It's very odd. It's a very odd physical performance actually from Jessica Lang. There is some weird ticks. I, I I do always love the fact that because De Niro's performance is purposefully completely fucking OTT in it. Yeah. But I but I, I it, it is a genuinely fantastic performance mm. within it because you are watching going. I know it's De Niro. But he has absolutely created, you know, well... That's not an error. It, it, it's, it's Max Cady. It's, it's Max a brilliant Cady. character. Yeah. Um, that he's just... A, a, from the start out, they go, look, this guy, do not feel any sympathy for this guy. Mm. He's a piece of shit. Well, and I think the, the, the placement in the film of the scene where, um, where he assaults and rapes, yeah. Uh, Nick Nolte's co-worker yeah, they do is, is perfect because you are just at the point where you're kind of thinking well shit if he was has innocent he been, yeah has he been done yeah. all for yeah and that you know maybe he was innocent of this crime if if, if she was promiscuous maybe they, maybe he, Nick Nolte's character read it wrong and then it's like oh no no he's bitten off part of her face amazing yeah that scene is fucking horrible the bit where he dislocates her shoulder and you can see the bone like pushing against it and it's like slightly blue because it's oh honestly that's like that I said to you didn't I when we were watching it that and the fingernail trauma in Twin Peaks if I walk with me are the two scenes that I have to look away well she was cast in the film mm. uh, at um, De Niro's request 
because they were uh, their friends. And he said, I can't do a scene that is that nasty mm. um, unless I, I know the person really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it was like, can we come to, to, said to Mike, said, can we cast Douglas in it? Because I feel comfortable doing that scene with her. I think it's good as well. They, they leave it completely unambiguous as to what he's done to her. Like, because yeah. it, it, it doesn't show an awful long section of the assault on her. No. It shows the shoulder, the face, and then I think it kind of cuts away and it's her bruised in the bed. Yeah. But like, it, it, it just straight up fucking tells you that he's raped her. Right. So, so you can't be thinking, oh well, you know, but yeah, <laughs> it's it. But like the fact that you, you now go back and look at this film, that De Niro was nominated for an Academy Award for a, a, a performance that is as batshit as he goes in this is quite something. Mm. Yeah, that's bonkers, actually. Especially like the like the subject matter and genre of the movie as well yeah they don't generally get an awful lot of recognition do they no the fact that this is a this a straight up psychological horror mm. uh movie yeah is there? yeah it, it's but as well it, it's it's scorsese just fucking having a lot of fun mm. with something as well and um, that's what he does he goes this this psychological gothic horror yeah uh I think the scene with the, you know, in the cinema, yeah, hits a bit different in 2023 as well than it maybe would have done when I first watched it. Because, you like, if when we're in the cinema, if someone's talking or someone's looking at their phone, if I can see you about to lean forward and say something, I, I get nervous now that they're gonna. People are on such a fucking hair trigger, and everyone's such a, pardon the language, cunt now that I, I, I it would not surprise me at all if someone just got up and fucking lamped you over asking them to put their phone away and that it, it kind of adds a different layer of like tension to that scene i think how just how fucking angry everyone is nowadays yeah yeah i i, I very much enjoyed our rewatch of cape fear yeah it's very good i think it's one of those ones that you just have to re- rewatch and remind yourself of how good it is every every how, five or six how, years how fucking entertaining it is yeah, as well yeah because it's a long film it, it, it's over two hours long but it's just it's a lot of fun with it as well mm. yeah definitely yeah well that's me out that you out <laughs> unless you want to hear about stephen king i've watched a, a few on my my lonesome um so i i've rewatched day after tomorrow because it was about time. It's been a while since I watched it. I'm actually really angry with you that you watched that without me. I suggested a couple of days ago and you said, no, you always watch that film. I'm just going to I'm just gonna very quickly say this is my favourite section of the podcast because it's always the most unpredictable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, strap yourself in. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I spoke quite often about my love for Day After Tomorrow because I love a weather movie and, yeah, <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. It's, it's it's great. Um, where shall I go next? Um, I, I watched the American, uh, the George Clooney um, and some uh, Corbin movie. Um, now it's one of those ones where I think it, it came out at the height of Clooneyisms, um, <laughs> and 
but it was like it was him doing a more kind of like it was him starting to go more serious and look I'm making this quite European feeling film I don't just do Hollywood films yeah um, what is this because I've not seen this but the marketing for it made it look really fucking boring well the thing is it, it, it's really critically liked and it did you know solid for you know 20 million budget and it made like near 70 million mm. so it did it, it did well mm. and critics really liked it um and you know, it, it, it had that, that that European kind of sheen to it. Um, that, like I said, was like, look, this is clearly not doing Hollywood. Um, yeah, I prefer clearly doing Hollywood. Mm. Um, He's got a real just, Hollywood face. It didn't click with me. I was watching it going, I can see why people like this. Mm. I can see why people vibe with this. I'm really fucking bored. Like, I am really fucking just I'm bored, but to the point of where I was, I was actually really hoping that I'd enjoy it more. Um, and uh, yeah, I just really wasn't enjoying it at all. Um, so yeah, there was. Yeah, that is actually. Um, yeah, so the American. Sorry, I just didn't didn't get on with it. Mm. Yeah. I don't think people did at the time, did they? Though. I seem remember it, it was one of those ones where it, people who liked it really fucking liked it, and then everybody else who went there going with the intent you know, that thought they were going to see. Hollywood Clooney were like that was a bit <laughs> that was a bit a bit of hard work <laughs> yeah. yeah I just I don't know it's just, not made me want to revisit my uh, decision not to watch it and go back I just didn't get on with it um, a movie that I also didn't get on with but actually liked more than the American <laughs> what really yep is 2017 sex comedy apparently um, the layover with uh, Alexandra Daddario and Kate Upton? There it is. <laughs> I'm the back in the room, baby. There's the mark drop. Yeah. <laughs> Directed Classic by William Hart. H Macy. What? <laughs> yes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Paying his wife's legal bills, I think. Yeah. Even Jesus. even I, when it came up and it was going through the credits, so it's a William H. Macy site. Yeah. That can't be right. You have to so surely to... William J. Macy. Yeah, you have to go to IMDB and check that surely there's two William H. Macy's. Yes. <laughs> and I, I did check it's like, oh fucking fucking hey, it's William H. Macy. Um Who is that actor? Uh, I don't know, but in the description, he's a handsome man. It, it's, it's Matt Barr. Matt Barr, it's skin job number skin. 74. <laughs> yeah. it's, wow. It's, it literally is. We've got no money left, William. Um, so you're going to have to have this guy. Uh, what I will say is... These IMDB credits are just like, just nothing shit. Well, one of the main problems, like, there's a couple of problems I had with the layover, which I is a movie I kind of enjoyed. 
And I will probably end up watching a game at some point, even though it's not that good. I'm so ashamed if it's not. There's a few problems with it. One of the problems is he's not that attractive. No. Like he's he, like when he came on, you're going, all right, here comes hunky fucking guy. And you, you know, you're gonna get to go, yeah, all right, yeah. He, 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 that that guy looks like he fucks, and you know, you could see why Isaiah Jadario and Kate Upton would be battling over him. And then he walked out and I thought, yeah, no. Do you know I'm gonna say? Maybe it's just the cover of the. Uh, I'm going to say poster. It looks more like a DVD cover, but um, right, maybe it's they, just the cover of the poster, but he's got a shit eyebrow game. That, and in the cover of that, they have they have definitely altered his jaw. He's a lot more fucking, like, straight-jawed than right. that. Which, yeah, no. He's, he's, he, he's not attractive enough to have those two people battling over him. You see what I mean? You look at a picture of there, mm. straight jaw, isn't it? His shirt's creased as well. What a prick. What a wanker. Yeah, right? just... That. But the other bit that, that kind of made me go, I mean, come on. Is... He looks like if you can't afford Dan Stevens, but you want someone that looks like a cheap, like real cheap Dan Stevens, this is who you'd get. Yeah. Uh, it is the fact that they try and play up uh, Alexander Daddario as a little bit of a plain Jane. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen her? And it's like, oh, look at Kate Upton. She's, you she's know, glamorous and blonde. She's glamorous. She's she's, yeah. she's blonde. But when was this made? Two thousand seventeen. Like, not long ago. Five years. Yeah. Like in the in the in the in the twenty tens, there was a whole like, a, if you want a, a glamorous girl, if if girls are coded in movies in in that decade mm. as brown hair is boring. And playing Jane oh, yeah. and Blondie's. Well, that, that, that's what this is going for. She's, Kate Upton's all, like, quite, you know, she's sexually forward and, like, she gets an Uber and ends up having sex with the Uber driver because, um, you know, that's all she does is she just she, she, she just fucks anything that moves. And whereas, and had a Dario, well, you know, she's not that pretty, really, is she? And you watch her going, really? Really? Because, like, I... I would contemplate giving up the lives of one of my family members for like a fling with Alexander Daddario. Would you know? Yeah, I would. I'd, I'd probably give up a nephew. Is it the eyes? The eyes, yeah. No, you see, that's Wait. the thing. I was just going to say, like the Alexandra Daddario thing. I've been aware of her for a long time, but I've only seen her in anything properly recently because we've been uh, watching The White Lotus. Lotus. Yeah. And What's that like? It's really good, actually. The first yeah. series is very, very good. Second series is pretty good. First series is great. Yeah, um, I'm thinking I might give that a go. Definitely. It's really good. It's really fun. Nice locations as well. Um, mm. But yeah, so I remember seeing her a lot pop up in things. And I think what she was being sold on was her eyes. And I, I don't know if her eyes are supposed to, you're supposed to feel like she's, I don't know, staring into your soul or something. She looks to me like she's been looking at an iPad for too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you seen the poster for the new Anne Rice series she's in? Oh, no. The... Mayfair Witch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're Mayfair very much Witch. playing up the Daddario oh, eyes. Okay. okay. Well, no, she's she's great in uh, in The White Lotus. And, it, and it's it just shows you that, like, sometimes you don't really get an actor just by looking at them. You need to see them actually emote and, and do stuff. And she, she's really good on that. She's, yeah. she's great. What else are that, Leo? It's not very good, but it's better than the American. I think that's what they were going for when they Yeah, <laughs> it is. So well done, William H. Mason. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, so 
swinging to another corner. Mm-hmm. Have you watched the negotiator um, with the uh, F uh, Gary Gray movie? Um, with some uh, with Samuel Jackson and uh, Kevin Spacey, you're not really supposed to watch his movies anymore. No. But I did. Um, and David Morse, who was in like, all of these um, like thriller movies in the 1990s, who <laughs> was always like, oh, it's that guy from every other movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and also JT Walsh is in it. Who is another? Hey. It's that guy from every other. I like David. I see him as like a Stephen King guy. He is in a lot of Stephen King mm. stuff, actually. Yeah. Um, so the negotiator, it, it's it's a. I mean, the one thing I'll say about it is, it's two and a half hours long. <laughs> so it was watched in my lunch break for over like three days because mm. it was two and a half hours fucking long, <laughs> which I forgot. Uh, but about a. Um, Funny enough, a hostage negotiator uh, played by Samuel Jackson, who ends up getting set up by um, his fellow uh, police officers um, for the murder of a whistleblower. And so he takes some of the said internal affairs guys hostage. And yeah, it, it runs out like that. It's, it's really good in the sense that it, it, it's quite clever. Like what things like diehard use where they they can spread the budget by having the majority of the movie set in like two little office spaces mm. so that you can blow it on more action the bits that are outside because mm. you'd never even realize that the majority of the movie is just literally in an office <laughs> which is a really sort of clever way like i said of spreading budget and you're looking at it, it's it's Samuel Jackson playing off against Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey before the ego had taken too much control of him. Um so he's he's very good in this. Um and you've I love got to say that he's a bad man. Yeah, but he is good. There's no getting away from it. Kevin Spacey is good in things. It uh, hurts my soul that I feel guilty watching the usual suspect now. Which is fucking great. Yeah. But then you've also got JT Walsh just being the most JT Walsh of characters <laughs> within this. It is almost like it, JT Walsh is a little bit like now's Ben Foster. <laughs> like you, you when JT Walsh it, it comes up in the in the credits at the opening of the film, you go, oh, I know who he's playing. <laughs> <laughs> and this is almost the most JT Walsh of bits. Um, very much enjoyed my rewatching Negotiator. It, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a good time. Presumably you watched it on DVD because The Negotiator is only available on DVD. It's never been released on any other format. What's it like? The Negotiator is right up there with Twister. It's just a DVD. Yeah. It, the negotiator is we when, do have it on DVD in a lot. Yeah, it's when, you, when, you, when you watch on a streaming service, it plays the DVD trailers <laughs> that you get with it. <laughs> You try and watch it on Amazon Prime and a DVD arrives the next day. (laughs) I miss that so much about watching DVDs. But the the trailers. Trailers, yeah. This is DVD. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the last one I watched was an 80s, um, like, teen coming of age movie that I've never actually seen. That doesn't sound real. No, it, uh, Mark, I know what you're going to say. And I remember seeing this in the pages of Video Weekly. And I've never seen it either. 
Yeah. I so, remember it being out, but I never saw it either. So I, I watched Can't Buy Me Love, which uh, which stars. Can't buy me love. It's wonderful because that's how it starts with that song. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so they, they got licensed the, that. They got the <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what Michael I was thinking. Jackson got paid. That's the budget gone then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it has Patrick Dempsey as, believe it or not, the geeky character. Patrick Dempsey? Yeah. Um, what, McDreamy? McDreamy. Yeah, plays, plays the nerdy like character. How convincingly, though? Really quite convincingly. I don't they, buy that. McDreamy but, can't do nerdy. Well, the, this is the thing. So the whole premise of the movie is that he's kind of like the nerdy character. Hmm. And then he basically he, he mows lawns all summer. To earn a thousand dollars to buy a telescope, I love and, this film then, already. and then ends up <laughs> instead of buying a telescope. Say that again. <laughs> Slowly. <laughs> right. Instead of buying oh, a telescope, magnificent concept. What he does instead, the the hot cheerleader chick uh, wears her one of her mum's outfits. To like a school fucking like a house party. If I'm the if I'm the studio exec right now, you're losing me, Mark. Come on, bring it and back. Gets red wine on it. Patrick Dempsey's character then ends up buying her a replacement uh, suit, so her mum never finds out. But on the proviso that she has to pretend to be dating him for a month because that will make him popular. And the reason you like this film so much is that's exactly how you and Becky met. <laughs> yes. Can I can yeah. I just say, if Don was in the room right now, uh, uh, Don, if I was to say that McDreamy in a film in the 80s played a geek, what would you say? You could see that. Yeah. This is the last time you ever disagree with me. I want a divorce. <laughs> just looking at Sorry. the images from Carry the movie, on. though. He's obviously had a nose job at some point, and this is obviously before that. No, I think he's just grown into his nose. He looks like fucking Spicoli. He does look at Spicoli. He does, he, does have, he does have a penny vibe to himself within this, yeah. A what? A penny vibe. Penny vibe? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also as well, his dad is played by Dennis Dugan. Good dad. Dennis Dugan, who went on to direct films like... Um, <laughs> Grown-ups, grown-ups too. Just go with it. Jack and Jill. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Seth Green's in it. Seth Green plays his little brother. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, this sounds kind of Like, really enjoyed it. And it survives on the sheer kind of charisma of Patrick Dempsey being really engaging to watch, both as the geeky character and then the he becomes too popular and it goes to his head character. Mm. But yeah, 90-odd minutes um, and just a really a really fun kind of 80s movies that, movie that I hadn't seen and now I'm watching it going, I can't believe I hadn't fucking seen this. <laughs> um, and we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely re-watch at some point. Disney Plus as well, how does it look? <clears throat> Looks good, nice. yes. Um, added to watch list. Courtney Gaines plays his um, his best mate in it. 
So there's yeah. that as well. It's yeah. While so you're on the subject of cast as well, uh, what did you think about dancer uncredited? <laughs> She's good. Paul or Abdul? It is Paul Abdul did, did the uh, choreography, choreography for it. Right. Okay, makes sense. Uh, which, which when that comes out, you go choreography. What? And then it makes sense later on in the movie. Uh, and it also makes sense that it was Paul Abdul. Yeah. <laughs> it, I think it was 1987. Paul Abdul was just doing choreography for anything, even if yeah. if stuff didn't need it. She was. Yeah. Uh, Did I have I dreamt it? Is there not a video where she dances with an animated cat or something? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the MC. It's the, MC yeah, it's the that's MC cat it. on the scats and Micah, and here's a little story, and you sure to like it. It's swift and smart, and he's playing it cool with his homegirl, Paula Abdul. <laughs> You're so cool, though. I know. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's that. That's that's all the batshit shit I watched this week. That was real entertaining. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> all right, I uh, I'm mindful of the time. Um, Mark Bex, do you guys want to eat anytime soon? Or and Noel, to be fair, I ate early, so yeah, I did too. But yeah, <laughs> okay, we're good, we're good. All right, so all right, then fine. Are you answering uh, for me? Well, well yeah. just fucking starving in the corner over here. No, I'm fine, honestly. <laughs> okay, oh, so you. um, I'll try and I'll, I'll, I'll go as quick as I can. So uh, I, I rewatched The Northman. The Northman will not be in my top ten of the year. Um. It went down slightly because I I became a little bit. It's kind of talking about the folly of these men thinking they're great men, but also the end sequence is basically uh, the end of God of War PlayStation 2 and you've got a pressed square to slice the guy's head off. Um, So I'm, I'm... I'll be honest, with The Northman, I'm a little bit conflicted. It's either an art house film that's a bit too stupid or a stupid film that's a bit too art house. But <laughs> I love, I kind of love that it's doing both of those things. It could be one of those where, it, depending on your mood, it could be <laughs> either of those. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, but it is a bit long to be stupid. Um, yeah, it is so, two hours, like 25, isn't it? Yeah, but at the same time, it it does it wants to show how cool he is, but also at the end, it's like you fucked off Anya Taylor Joy. Yeah, all right, you've got some offspring, but you're dead. Well done, bud. You're going to Valhalla. Cool, but you're not going to be with them anymore. I'm 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 a little bit I. I'm, I'm not entirely sure what Eggers' point was, and I almost feel like it's he had more of a point when it was like, this is a screenplay, and then he realised, holy shit, I've got to get money for this. He was like, but also we'll have two naked men fight against the volcano. So, yeah. but I think it bangs, but I, I'm not going to be talking about it next week too much. Uh, okay, so uh, I watched I, I rewatched Dunkirk, and I don't really know why, but I just stuck it on. And uh, I really like Dunkirk. Dunkirk's really good. It's not one of Nolan's best, but it's because Nolan's a fantastic filmmaker. I, I would think Dunkirk's that film where, when you're watching it, you're going, "This is really fucking good." And then, like, a few months removed from watched it, you go. 
Dunkirk, you know, it's good, but it's probably lesser Nolan. But then when you watch it, going, this is fucking great. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. It just, it's really, 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 really good. And the fact that that was a summer blockbuster is wild. Yeah, uh, I will, I will but, say it's a big projector bump watch that film. I had a great time with it on 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 the on projector watch. And it looks it looks great on the OLED yeah. and it looks great in 4K, you know, and it, it's like certainly I'll be honest. The first time I watched it, I went to a 10 p.m. showing where I was tired because I'm tired at 10, unlike Mark and Becky. <laughs> so um, and like, it, and I, I, like I made a mistake, you know, and it, it, it's like it, I feel like it's impacting me. But it's like Tenet has gone from a four star film to a five star film. Like, it's the Nolan film I like the most. I'm not saying it's his best film, but it's actually, I, people would say maybe Interstellar. I I actually, maybe. Tenet's better I, than Interstellar. Yeah, I think maybe Tenet's better than, in, I, I think Tenet might be Nolan's best film. But so this is the thing, I'm, I'm arguing between, I don't know, Jennifer Lawrence and Anya Taylor-Joy at this point for me, for me personally. So, I don't know. This is Anya Taylor Joy, and Tenet is Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, if I look at my if I look at my letterbox for um, for Tenet and also Dunkirk, I scored Dunkirk higher. But as a film, I'm much. I, I definitely think Tenet's a better film. Uh, the, 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 not the, not a better film. The more film I like film. more. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. That's where that delineation becomes complicated. But Nolan, he fucking rules. Bring on Oppenheimer. Still think it's going to lose all the money, but I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Uh, okay, so um, I watched La La Land, preparation for Babylon, rules. There you go. Um, I, I love La La Land. I, I, I really want to rewatch La La Land. I just need to get the time to rewatch it. I kind of want to rewatch La La Land because I hated it when it, it came out. The thing is, it's only about. I say only. It's two and a quarter hours long. It's not. It's not it's two not, hours forty. Yeah, that's it. I I, I, keep, I think my brain keeps thinking that it's like near three hours. And yeah. It's not. And the the thing is, it's interesting because Ryan Gosling. He's kind of a dick through it, but he's very charismatic, and in the third act, he does the defining thing which helps Emma Stone get to the place that she needs to be. And if he didn't do that, this film would be palpably worse. And there are sections where I could see people maybe switching off a little bit. Like I could see that, but I, I don't, but I can understand why people would. I think we said uh, this when we, when we reviewed it, like when it came out though, that it's one of those where if it's got you, it's really going to get you. And if it's not, you're really not going to vibe with it. Yeah, that's yeah. It. I think that's why I really want to rewatch it. I think I maybe watched it in the wrong mood and it, it, I just wasn't in for the ride. Yeah, yeah, fair. Uh, and it, it's, um, yeah, I, the, the thing is, it, it, it was Damien Chazelle's second directorial film. And it's interesting because you see a lot of like indie directors making one film and then directing bigger things like Colin Trevorrow. He directed Safety Not Guaranteed and he's doing Jurassic World. And it's like, wow, we I mean, you look at Damien Chazelle, he did Whiplash, then he did La La Land. And the thing is, 
Trevaro has gone from an indie film to a film that he has to work with actors and he has to work with big sets and whatnot, but he also probably has to work with a lot of visual effects artists saying, this is what this scene is going to look like. Put the actors in this place, get them to do these lines. La La Land, like there's, he had to stage like really, really big musical sequences and he had to, do big things where it's like two people against the visual effects background of them dancing amongst stars and things like that and it's just like i the fact he won best director at the oscars and obviously won best pitch uh, lost best picture to moonlight as we all know and it yeah. but it's like i kind of i i get that in a way because this was a film that was in the conversation is is it the best directed film of 2016 i don't know i haven't watched every film of 2016 but out of the films that were being talked about at that time do i think that chazelle deserved it yeah why because it was his second fucking film it's a it's a very well directed movie (laughs) yeah and it's the um the the um uh, the, the the song i i've had a lot of beers so i can't remember the name of the song it's not because the song is unmemorable but where they're um sitting at that bench and um oh, a waste of a lovely night um and uh, like the way that they they start talking about how they're pissed off that they're together and then they dance together and they do this like routine but they're not holding hands but they do this routine where they're just doing like step moves and then after that it's like right i understand why they're together not necessarily because of things that they've said but i understand why they're attracted to each other because they've done this little dance with each other and then they do dances through the film that get you through these conversations where it is a little bit like the spark is coming it is not quite there and not because their performances uh but just because of how they're directed but then in the dance it's like but you can see why they want to be with each other despite the fact that they're really different people it's a very uh, i don't know it's quite an instinctive way of portraying attraction to people which i think is very well done um uh, but you've also got john legend absolutely murdering jazz so um and and killing ryan gosling's spirit and then in the end he's not a villain he's just a guy trying to do a job and ryan gosling just brushes him away in that sequence at the end where it's like what their life could have been um yeah i really really like la la land um so so you you bought it for me you bought bought this film for me and i've still not watched it and i'm sorry i will I don't remember buying it for you. Was that you, in COVID you times? You did. No, no, chance? no. I, I think it was... Oh, was it an iTunes? I think it was your next pick for... Pay it um, forward. Pay it forward. No yeah. way. You got, you got ahead of the game and you were like, no, you're going to watch this. And you sent it to me and it's still sat on my iTunes and I've still not watched it because you know how I feel about musicals. But I will... Ahead of Babylon, I will definitely, definitely, definitely watch it. I mean, if it helps to inspire you to watch it, Noel, at this point, I take it as a personal affront. Well, that'll do it then. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you'd convinced me with your words already. It's fine. But I mean, it it fucking, it bangs. (laughs) Oh, that's really good. And also, if it helps, the musical numbers basically stop about an hour in. 
that definitely does help actually funnily enough yeah like it's like yeah because you've got you've got a few musical numbers and then john legend does a bit and then emma stone does a bit about 15 minutes before the end and then that's it i would i would actually say the second half of the film has got two songs Honestly, it's I like the director. I like the actors involved. It's my own hang-ups about musicals that have stopped me from clicking. That's all it is. So I, I'll I will 100% watch it before Babylon. Good. The last one. Babylon. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm also a little bit. Oh God, is he just gone off the rails here? But let's see. Let's see. I want, let's see, I let's want see. off the fucking rails. Mm, I, I I just I want off the rails, but entertaining. Mm. Like that's that's the thing. Um. Okay. So my 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 last one for this week is the reason why shite and sound or sound is not happening. <laughs> uh, so this is uh. The 2004 film Tropical Malady, directed by Apachapong Weir Safakul. So, could I give the letterbox description? The passionate relationship between two men with unusual consequences. The film is divided in two parts. The first half charts the modest attraction between two men in the sunny, relaxing countryside. And the second half charts the confusion and terror of an unknown menace lurking deep within the jungle shadows so this film is a film of two halves the first half is a soldier meets a village boy and that first hour or so is them having conversations interspersed with slices of life so uh, one of them's on a bus and he talks to the soldier boy. Uh, the soldier boy and the farmer boy take a dog to the vet where uh, the, they're told that the dog has cancer and it should be operated on. And they're talking about that. And the vet's giving recommendations. Uh, they go to the cinema and they're watching stuff. And it kind of looks like one of them's trying to jerk the other off um fair play no i don't blame you um and um uh but he's not the other he's just rubbing his knee vigorously and then just as you think something's going to happen where in tropical malady one of them starts kissing the other one's hand and it starts sucking his knuckles one of them walks off into the distance and it cuts and then the second half begins and it's a fable about a soldier and a tiger spirit um and the soldier is trying to hunt the spirit um about 40 minutes in after him hunting the spirit the soldier is confronted by a monkey that talks to him at which point my attention perked up where the monkey tells him either you need to kill the spirit and let it free or you need to let the tiger spirit consume you and you become one with the spirit. Genuinely, when you mentioned that a monkey turned up, I thought you were joking. Nope. <laughs> like when you, when you messaged me and said, oh, no, fucking monkey's turned up. Nope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a monkey and he, he starts he starts talking to the guy. Um, 
so I gave it three out of five on Letterboxd only because the first half is like this is a slice of life that I I don't necessarily get to see like life in Thailand and um, in in the the unpublished shite or sound I uh, compare it to a James Bond film where it's like you are globetrotting and seeing how other communities live and that's how I went into this. I went into this with the spirit of me watching Thunderball. Um, and uh, no, no. So the second half, I'm basically, is something going to happen? I'm intrigued as to what the fuck is going to happen. And every now and then there's an interesting image for an hour Every now and then, there's an interesting image. So, what I'm going to say might be a little bit controversial. The Sight and Sound Top 100 films may not be 100 films I want to see. I don't necessarily want to watch these films that folks who have voted in the Sight and Sound Top 100 think are the best films. And I'm going to release myself from that obligation that I need to see these films because then maybe I'd be a better film fan. No, 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 no. If anything, if I watched 100 films like Tropical Malady, I'd like films less. And that's not because they're shit, but because I thought they were fine. I could see what it was going for. Cool. It, BFI have rated it as one of the top 10 most important LB, LBGTQ plus films of all time. That's brilliant. I'm in my late 30s. I am hopefully halfway through my life. And the second half of my life, I think I probably need the films that I do watch. I think I probably need to go into the perspective of I'm going to enjoy, not I'm going to learn. And that's not because I don't want to learn It's because if I'm watching films it's because I'm not in a mindset where I'm like, I'm going to learn for two hours. <laughs> can I, can I just say two things, Ian? Please. The first thing is I appreciate, first of all, the energy that you've put into potentially doing this series, but also <laughs> the energy that you've put into learning the director's name and it gives me a great deal of relief that it wasn't Mark that decided to do this. Yeah, good point. He would have butchered that. <laughs> um, but apart from that, the other thing I'd say is, on a slightly more serious point, that the, the point that you make about these are films that have been listed that you have d- now realised you don't necessarily feel like you want to see. I would argue that they are films that the people who wrote the list don't necessarily want you to see either because the more people that see them the less clever they will look yeah 100 so good good job on making the fucking effort but like i think you're absolutely right like life as becky said life is too short for shit movies you just you're not in this to fucking prove anything to anyone Mm. you're not necessarily in this to learn learn anything watch the movies you want to watch yeah yeah and it's I, I don't know. I'm. We are to an extent paid for what we do on this show, but 
I, you know, being blunt, I would earn more in a month than I do from the than we get from the patronage of this show if I did an hour of overtime at work. So I, I, you know, and that's all to say that if I'm going to do Patreon content, it's going to be stuff that I actually actively want to do, not a challenge for myself. Which I think our patrons are fine with. Which I think is probably understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. As a a listener, I enjoy hearing what you care about and hear what you're, you're, you're passionate about. I listen to this podcast because you all have very different you know there's crossover taste obviously but you all have a very different angle and i know when you are about to talk about something as i mentioned with mark earlier like i know when you're about to talk about something that you really care about and you've watched it because you really want to watch it mark isn't watching i can't buy me love because the fucking bfi are telling him to watch it Do you know what I mean? he's watching it because he's like Oh, this fits in my... No, 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 I'm just going to correct you for a second. Apachat Pong, we have Safakal, reached out to him in his DMs <laughs> and said, I've heard your podcast and I think you'd like this. And he said, what's your name again? Apple Chumbo Flingleflum. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's like, but no, that's perfect. It's like he really, made an effort, he really made an effort in the first name and then just gave up in the second, <laughs> which is what Mark would do. Apple chat what? <laughs> it is stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, shit. I mean, that's it for my what we watched. The fact that everyone's oh. making fun of you and you're just like, yeah, I deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're the not wrong. Dog. The dog is looking up with me with the waggiest tail I've maybe ever seen. Like, in terms of, are you dying? What's going on? Um, sorry. Fuck. Look, nobody wants nobody wants death by vegetables. You don't want it. I, I guess probably your listeners don't want it either, so. Jordan does. Oh, well, Jordan fucking lives for vegetables, doesn't he? Jordan can pay me $10 a week and I'll do it just for him. Um, send him the audio file just him. I'll just I'll just send him the audio yeah. file there you go Jordan that's a very special tier um, he'll, cor- he'll correct you on the pronunciation of the name though it's how Kermode pronounces it so it's probably wrong Mark yes questions? questions we have one um, Babylon promises I see it's from Rick Kidd uh, at Rick J Kidd yeah. thank you much Rick uh, Babylon promises us a caught-up Margot Robbie fighting a snake. Who do you want to see fight which other animal? Fucking hell. Werner Herzog fighting a bee. Oh, I was going to go with Werner <laughs> Herzog fighting David Lynch. What? <laughs> That's not an animal. They're both animals. They're all animals. That would be a weird fight. I'd love it. I can't fight the bee. The bee is a mysterious creature who faces death every day. I must die to the bee. Thankfully, I am allergic to the bee. I think of Macaulay Culkin at the end of My Girl, and I think this is the way that I must go. I want to see the baby. I've got one. I've got one. Go on. 
I want to see Rooney Mara fighting a deer. <laughs> oh, that's good. It'll take ages. Imagine the stare be. down. Oh, oh, I've actually got one. Go on. I want to see Dwayne the Rock Johnson fighting a kangaroo because he would just get the absolute <laughs> shit beaten out of him. Yeah, and he try, he try, he try and style the whole thing out. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, going back to Rooney Mara and the deer. Yeah, the thing is, it would take it would take five hours of staring. Oh, there'd be so much one, staring. But but then one of them would kill the other in two seconds straight. But you honestly couldn't tell which no. one. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't, call, couldn't it. call it. Could not call that. Oh, that's good, isn't it? There'd be a lot of air twitching. I saw a picture of a kangaroo stood up the other day, and it was buff as fuck, and it really freaked me out. They are. Didn't like it. Yeah. Don't say this. I'm going to Australia next year, man. I'm already worried enough. Don't put your hand in a kangaroo's pouch. Apparently, it's slimy. It's full of like a mucus-like substance. Becky, I can assure you, the last thing that I, <laughs> I have a list of things that I'm not going to do in Australia, and that's on it. Koala bears have chlamydia. Stay away from yeah, those guys. They do. Yeah. The the thing is. Th- the I rock. imagine now Noel just, just getting off the plane after voice. doping himself up so he can actually <laughs> fucking get there. And then there's a fucking koala, and there's a fucking kangaroo there and he just goes, hey, I'm going to put my hands in your pouch. That's it. The thing now, Becky said it, I might be a little bit like, hmm. <laughs> but how slimy. <laughs> exactly, yeah. The, the thing is, The Rock, he'd yeah. lose the fight to the kangaroo. He put a well, video then he'd go on online it. and talk about how much money the, the fight made. And how no, no, no. What... Helped with his bruises. No, I, I was thinking what it would be is he'd be he'd be like, guys, so kangaroos are majestic creatures and they're very, very strong, very, very powerful. But they have a lower center of gravity and it's an unfair fight with humans because of that, because of that. They have uppercut strength that it, it it's just incredibly powerful. And I respect it so much. But, 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 but if that kangaroo was a human, it would not have beaten me. If I was a kangaroo, I would have beaten it. So, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but Dwayne, like, to add, Dwayne, all Dwayne. my life, I have wanted to be beaten up by a kangaroo. <laughs> yeah. Also, Dwayne, Dwayne, like, two weeks ago, you were saying that the whole universe of the marsupial uh, world was about to change, so. No, 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 no. But if, if, no, 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 you misunderstand, you misunderstand. If we were playing it on the other hemisphere, when I recorded that video and said that the marsupial universe was about to change, then I would have won because the center of gravity would have been the other way around. So <laughs> I, it, 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 I, you know, I didn't think about that. No, no, no. I can't admit that I didn't think about that. No, uh, 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 oh, fuck. Um, 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 fuck I, the group. Uh, I, w- I was uh, discussing, I was discussing this with Adam the other day. Cause I've got, does anybody feel like maybe uh fast 10 is coming next isn't it yeah that's already kind I thought of you were still doing the rock sorry I no 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 i'm coming back, back serious I'm, now. yeah no no, no right. i'm coming i'm coming back to the rock right so fast 10 is happening next that's not the last one is it it's fast 10 part one yeah, right split it two parts fuck me i hope dwayne's dwayne's coming back oh, dwayne's coming back for part two in it yeah 
at this point you'd think he is so. in it and i hope like, uncle is. ben is like fuck you no. Yeah, no no but i don't i don't think uncle bill I, I think that's going to happen i think oh uncle ben will have him back his ego Dwayne's ego is so bruised at this point i think that door just creaked open yeah. and i think we're gonna get part two Dwayne's back yeah you, you, because you that know, will massage his ego again yeah you, you know that at some point last week he texted Vin Diesel and just said, bro. <laughs> that was it. Just bro. Yeah, just that's full it. Full stop. <laughs> just bro. Just dot, dot, dot. And, and Vin texted back, family. go on. <laughs> family. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> and that was all. <laughs> Contra- and since then, since then, contracts have been signed. It's all done. I, I legitimately will be disappointed in Uncle Vin if that happens. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, no, I, 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 so but so badly was just like it's not happening it's no, but not the, but, happening but, but the thing is vin was the last one to reach out i think it it feels kind of nailed on to me that yeah right it kind of yeah it kind of does and i i get it but it's not necessary man, it's completely no. unnecessary for for everybody involved the only person it benefits is Dwayne no, Johnson they, I think they, but... they need to start with like for your eyes only where Kevin McClory had the rights to um Spectre and Blofeld and whatnot so at the start of for your eyes only Bond literally drops an unidentified bold man down down a chimney and it's just like, there we are. That's what we need. Yeah. We need the start of Fast 10 being the bad <laughs> guy of Fast 10. An unidentified ball Dropping guy. an unidentified <laughs> rock down a chimney. That's what we need. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think Dwayne just needs to take a step back and just maybe like remember where he came from. Maybe say take some roles where he's just credited as actor. <laughs> and 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 this this is yes but this an is an identified no, dancer yeah no but th- this is the thing what he needs to do now joe is team member fuck off <laughs> do some roles and do fuck all publicity about how humble yeah. he is but yeah, he but, won't yeah. be able to do okay. that no uh, we, we are still talking about Dwayne the rock johnson here. Yeah, the, but that, 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 the people's that, eyebrow that's it it's gonna be impossible for him yeah. But he needs to show some sort of humility by just not talking and just acting and talking about that specific role. And he won't be able to do it. And I think the extent of Dwayne Johnson's humility, the best case scenario, the extent of Dwayne The Rock Johnson's humility is to agree to be in a $500 million see a final movie in the fast franchise like, it, like that's 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 as far as his humility will go and i, I, I think like, even that's a stretch for him yeah i i like the fast franchise i don't want him in there dirtying it up in the last one yeah. i don't yeah. think we need it i don't, do not think we need it no don't think it benefits he's, anyone he's going to go back to wwe for a bit yeah. he's gonna he's gonna really? do some guest appearances yeah. honestly i think that's what he's gonna do humility to the rock is i'm gonna go back to wwe back to his roots he'll say roots he's gonna yeah. say roots a lot roots 100 yeah. yeah roots and okay, yeah and then we'll 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 see what he comes back with but 
Yeah, 100%. That's what my, my whole entire life, even when I was a kid, I dreamed of being in the W. Oh, no shit, I already did. Um, sorry, <laughs> no, that was a different script. Um, I, I, I dreamed of playing Rampage. Oh, fuck. Um, I dreamed of drinking tequila. What oh, I meant oh, to say was the whole uh, hierarchy of the WWE is about to change. That that was it, wasn't it? Is that what we agreed? Uh, drink tequila, guys. <sighs> I hope that kangaroo really fucks him up. <laughs> that was episode what the fuck ever of Film Bastards. Next week, we're talking about Babylon. Um, I just want to say at this point, thank you ever so much, Mark. Thank you very much, Ian. Thank you very much, Becky. Thanks, Ian. Thank you ever so much. Noel, you beautiful son of a bitch thank you thank you so much that was so much fun i had a great time thanks for having me yeah more than welcome anytime you want (laughs) and listener if you listened all the way through (laughs) come (laughs) quat